Welcome to Game Face, episode 235. Can you feel the power? We're a week away from Generation 9, and this episode is all about that. We are going to get you guys ready for Generation 9. We're going to do a big buyer's guide for Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, let you know what games, peripherals, which consoles you should buy. We're going to give our final recommendations for that. We're going to talk Watch Dogs Legion, the biggest game of the week. Uh, we have a lot of stuff, a lot of big fun stuff. We're going to give away our Generation Awards in this episode. Uh, we're going to pick games from three consoles uh, and pick our, our favorites from each one of those. We have a lot to get to. And of course, I'd be an idiot to now bring up the fact that we have a crazy election going on right now. I hope all you guys are hanging in there. It's insane. It's intense. Uh, no matter which side you're rooting for, it's crazy. I think everybody's on edge. I'm hoping that you guys could all come here uh, for a couple hours to spend with us to kind of get away from all that insanity. I think it'll be good for me to get away from it for a few hours and just hang out with you guys and talk about some awesome video games. And here to do that with me is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? How are you hanging in there, man, today? I'm okay. Um, I was up pretty late waiting for Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, like mathematically, I'm I'm fine. But uh, <laughs> mathematically, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, was, it was it was a busy morning of uh, statistics and checking and and then remembering to shower and get here. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think anything's a given right now, man. It still seems like it's way no. Up still, in there's years. still a lot of still a lot of uh, counting to do, and a lot of going to be a lot of recounting to do, and there's uh, going to be a lot of fuckery. Um, it's it's going to test everything to the limit. Yeah. Um, just like the next gen systems will test <laughs> the, I don't know. Like you know nice what I'm trying segue, to do there. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, so we got to talk about video games for 3 hours in the middle of this. This is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I totally get I can't it. wait till we get to the talking about the game that's about a horrible uh, authoritarian <laughs> regime taking over a small country. Uh-huh. That you then fight against <laughs> in a guerrilla style. Oh man! Uh, also, alongside us today, we have Jared, who is at the the mothership handling tricasting duties. What's going on, Jared? How are you, man? I'm doing okay. How are you doing there? Yeah. Uh, it, well, I'll say this. I, I will say this. There's a lot of prep work that goes into Game Face. A lot. A lot of hours of recording footage, uh, cutting footage, creating B-roll, creating graphics, uh, working, coordinating with other people who are doing stuff for the show. There's a lot that goes into it, and I was very glad to have that lot to go into it to do yesterday. It took my mind off a lot of stuff. I was just plowing through work, getting stuff done. So ultimately, I I'm doing okay, I think. I think work kind of took me out of the part that got most people bent out of shape. And then I kind of saw the tail end last night and then got up this morning and saw some of the new information. Um, so I don't think I'm quite on as on edge as a lot of people are. Um, but still, pretty pretty crazy day. It's going to be a crazy week and maybe crazy until like January 20th. We'll see how it goes. But yep. we're here to talk about video games. And no matter what's going on with an election, it, nothing can throw uh, a wet blanket on my excitement for Generation 9. Um, next week's episode, obviously, it's pretty much launch day. And I think I'm going to have both the PlayStation 5 and Series X for next week's show. 
Um, and I'll have a completely different setup here at home. I may be out like in my living room, maybe at the dining room table. So I can like get all this stuff out there. We'll see. It's going to be a very, very special episode and I'm very excited for it. And this week we're going to kind of get you guys prepared, uh, help you guys figure out how you should spend your money. Uh, Cause that's a big question for a lot of us, especially right now when a lot of people are unemployed and maybe don't have a lot of uh, disposable income. But first we're going to kick things off with what is undoubtedly the biggest game that launched this week, and that is Watch Dogs Legion, uh, the third installment in Ubisoft's open-world c- cyber digital hacking franchise, uh, for lack of a better uh, description. Um, Matt, have you you've been playing it? Obviously, how much yeah. time have you put into it at this point? Do you think? Um, I'm going to guess like. 15 to 20 hours. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm a rock but, rock. but with the, with the caveat that I'm on story mission four. Yeah. Like I've mostly been doing open world. Like I've liberated the whole city. Like I have liberated the whole city. I have a huge roster of everybody. I've found like almost all the tech points. All my upgrades are almost done. I haven't barely touched the story. I have just gone full open world distraction monkey basically. Okay. And I will say this, this game is good for that because They're of very, all the, very good. the tools and the gadgets that you have at your disposal. Um, and it only gets better as the game goes on and you recruit more people to your party and they have new abilities and new things that maybe you haven't unlocked yet. Now I'm, I have not not done what you have done. I've played about probably around the same, maybe a little less, but I have pushed forward through the campaign mm-hmm. and just done, I wouldn't say minimal side stuff. I would say I've done more than I do in most open world games because of what you talked about, which is the tools are fun to fiddle around with and see kind of what you can get away with. Mm-hmm. Um, but still not a lot. I've mostly just kind of plowed through the main campaign. Um, I guess maybe let's start with the story. Um, the plot is London is bombed, DeadSec, the crew that you've been working with in the first two games, the hacktivist group, um, is basically, they try to stop the bombings, but in the end, they're framed for them. And there's this weird dude, what are they called? The uh, Zero Day. Zero Day hacking group. They're, they're, they're basically the ones that frame you. Um, and then they bomb the entire city. Um, and, and it's on you, and then it's your job with just a couple other, actually just one other person, really, to start dead sec mm. from ground zero. Yeah. One other person who's like way up hiding in North England and um, an AI. Yeah, uh, and an AI. Which, and that's, so <laughs> those, are your, those are really your only two actual characters yes. in the yes. game. Everyone else is like a, a procedurally generated hired person who do have dialogue and speak and are involved in the cutscenes, but they're they're generally pretty canned. Um, they're really, Matt, they're really bad, I think. And um, uh, I don't think they're that bad, but I will say that uh, one of the reasons I have not continued on the, the main story more than I have is because uh, without any actual real characters to hang it on, there's just not a lot of compelling reason to do it. Unless you're interested in the mystery of who Zero Day is, which I am not. So, yeah. like, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll turn out to be the guy who runs CTOS or something. You know, it, it's not a Watch Dogs is not a subtle brand. You know, no. like, like I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't expect a lot of twists and turns in this thing. You know, so I mean, I'm a bit more interested in playing the game. I'm, I'm just playing the game, and I have pushed forward for this because I felt like I needed to. I kind of every time we go to play open world games, I always just assume that you're going to do like mm-hmm. the fiddling around stuff and you're going to really like dig into the game's nooks and crannies. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be the guy that plows through the campaign and, and just kind of messes with the periphery, periphery right. stuff. Well, then, when I always, and that's what's happening. I again. wish I'd, <laughs> I, I always do that. And like, 
I ha still, I guess, haven't learned that doing that in Ubisoft games screws you because <laughs> Ubisoft unlocks gameplay systems as you go through the early part of the yeah. story. And if you don't, if you stop and start messing around, you'll, you'll, you're kind of playing without all your tools. Yeah, I did that absolutely. in Odyssey for a while where like I didn't have the, I, I started doing open world shit before I got to the part of the story that lets you upgrade the spear. And I'm like, wait, you mean I could have, <laughs> oh, you, so in this one, you so in this one, what happened sometimes. is um, until you get to the story mission where you can, where you get a, a team member arrested, you can't get arrested. So if you fail, they just automatically die. And <laughs> I'm playing permadeath. So I lost my best hacker and like one oh, other character. Geez to permadeath in a situation where they might have only been arrested if I'd progressed further in the story and opened that element of the game. We should um, have brought that up, actually. So when you start this game, you can choose whether the people you recruit, when they die, if they die for good or not. Yeah. And by default, it's turned off. And I turned it off. Um, I usually try to keep games on the default settings when I play them for evaluation. I So here's I did it with this one. And, he, and when you, when a, character gets arrested they go to jail mm. they don't die if you turn off permadeath and then the crazy thing is you can kind of recruit people to your team that will actually shorten their stay in jail yeah <laughs> Which but it, is kind it, of it, clever. it can go both ways like if you get usually if you get hit with something non-lethal you'll get arrested or whatever but like if you get shot by a bullet your character's gonna die um, unless it's permadeath off, in which case they just get, I think, sent to the hospital for a long time or something like that. Because um, you can have injuries as well, like having doctors on your team shortens injury time. Yeah. Um, it, that, it all, all that stuff's cool. But like... Um, that part of the system I like. Yeah, so, the, the so I, I turn permadeath, permadeath on because I know that that is, the way, that is the way they plan the game to be, and I'm pretty sure like marketing or management like said like no that's too that's too weird for mainstream you got to get make it an option well i wish so. i had turned it on not because i want my characters to die permanently and have to and lose like your best hacker or, or yeah. whatever your best robotics guy the reason <coughs> excuse me the reason that uh that i don't uh, the reason i wish it was turned on is because there's no consequence in the story at all none mm -hmm. because you have these characters that just come and go at the wind, you never build a bond with any of them. The characters, because they're randomly generated, a lot of them look really goofy and weird, or they'll have like an accent that doesn't match their appearance. Like you'll see a white guy and he sounds like he's from Jamaica. Like, it I mean, they're all white Jamaicans. I, like, I'm aware of that. But like, that's I, the, I have the lots thing of friends it, who are Rasta, so and yeah, they do there's sound a, There's like a thing Jamaican. where like, so what they're doing with the, 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 the generation of the NPCs is really interesting because like, um, what they're doing is clearly there's clearly people, various people read all the lines, these N these NPC, not NPCs, you are playing them, but like your recruits, yeah. mm -hmm. people read all the lines that they're going to possibly say. And then uh, they roll, apparently it seems randomly pitch the voice up and down for various characters. So I, so I do have a couple of go-to characters that I like better than the others. I have a spy who is a, um, like a 60 year old uh, black man with mm -hmm. like, he almost looks like um, his hair is like um, Samuel L. Jackson's in Black Snake Moan. Like he's like he's Don the King. least subtle spy in the world, <laughs> but he's got a silenced pistol and a, and a car that shoots rockets. So I love him. Yeah. Um, and then I've got um, this hacker girl who like um, her voice is pitched so far down that I'm like, that sounds like, like so I've just sort of decided she's trans. 
No. Like and like <laughs> it has it, like in the middle of transition sort of thing. And so I'm like, okay, so that's what's happening there. But it's very weird. And like I've run I have run into a couple people who are like, okay, that is a bone white football hooligan man with a very thick East Indian accent. Yeah, and I mean, that does not make sense. A lot of that. Like it's it's yeah. a it's a very it's almost randomly assigned. The one thing I the one what I will say though is I love because one of my favorite things in watchdogs has been always been scanning people and like yeah. looking oh, at Oh well, I knew as soon as I started playing stuff. this I'm like oh Matt's gonna love this. <laughs> oh yeah but I love that like there and I know they did this intentionally this is the thing they worked on very hard was um their occupation re- relates to their skills. And their interests relate to their skills, and what their skills are relate to the little last last incident that happened to them. And it's like it, that all matches up really well. The, although there was the incident uh, on Reddit, I don't know if you saw this, Mm-mm. where some because like the way it works is like if you're the occupation of the NPC is like a doctor, uh, the events that have recent events in their lives will generally be pulled from like a group of doctor related events that can happen you know, that they've already got kind of stocked right. So someone found an NPC who's a pediatrician and his recent event was just ended relationship with patient. Oh god. And people when like, randomly generated yeah, stuff goes randomly wrong. generated a child predator. <laughs> and that is um pro- a problem. So I'm like, yeah, that's that's probably a, a patch coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and, um so it's stuff, stuff like that is bound to happen in a procedurally generated thing. But um I've been mostly really, and like they talk, the, the dial, like the incidental dialogue they have as they pass you by is generally related to who they are and what their bio says they are. Um, their their schedules work. They they are there's relationships between all the characters, which I think is really cool. Like I ran into someone who I decided I wanted to recruit, and she hated DeadSec because I'd killed her brother, who was a security guard in a previous mission. Like you had actually done it in the game. In the game, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I okay. and I That's had cool. another. And I had another thing where, like, someone was I've had walking nothing down this, like that. Someone honestly. was walking down this. You, pro- you probably don't spend as much time standing around on sidewalks just scanning people. Yeah, I don't. Like Definitely, I, do. I don't. But like, there was someone walking down the street, and she was like crying, like she was animated, like she was. I'm like, okay, what's that? So I scanned. She was going to a funeral for her for some for this character. I don't remember what the name was, but her brother had been run over by a car in a ca- car chase, and I'm like. Well, that was me. me. <laughs> that was totally me. Like I hit people on the sidewalk when I'm running from the cops yeah. all the time. Like. Stuff like that, I think, is really cool. Does it does it enhance the gameplay at all? No, but it's like, does it make it a better game to play? No, but it sure makes it feel like a like a functioning world. For that and, fleeting moment, it yeah. does. Because when make, you start to I, dig deeper, you realize there's nothing else there. No, well, I, I really do like how functional and and lived in the world feel. Like it feels like people yeah. are going to do things. It feels like they're, yeah, they're their schedules. They go around like you see them in different places. Now like, I should I, mention actually before cool. we go any further forward that the footage that you're seeing was captured on xbox one the og base Original. xbox one um so if you're looking at it you're like this game looks horrible there you go that's why it looks horrible and i will say this it ran pretty well and when i first started playing it for capture here this is where i capture gameplay footage i usually just capture on like a 25 inch ips monitor and it's close to me and that's fine and it looked good on that monitor. And then I took it out and played it on my new TV. And oh gosh, yeah. it it does not look good at all. Again, running on base Xbox mm-hmm. One. Um, so I'm yeah, on, I'm on Xbox One X, and it looks it looks fine. Um, looks pretty good. Uh, I think the lighting's a little flat. Um, I can see I why they're that. I can see why they're putting. Uh, uh, ray tracing in the next gen version, uh, even if it is a big performance hit. Yep. Um, but in general, I think it it works. Like I th- I think mine looks looks 
distinctly better than the footage I'm looking at right now. Um, it should. I as it hope. should. Like you, you know, <laughs> paid, paid for the X, you should get the X. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not terrible. I just wanted to let people know if they're watching and they're like, why does this not look why like... Why does this look like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, pretty good. I, I'm pretty happy with the lack of load times in most places. See, I thought um, the load times were terrible, Matt. I made a specific note about load times because especially the initial load... I mean, again, the initial load is Xbox long. One, the original Xbox One. So maybe that's... Yeah, I think that's probably it. Um, and my load times on Xbox One are really bad. The like, initial load is a little long, but I don't really notice many others. I think there's... I think there's the load times are weirdly played. Like it seems like when you go inside, like it loads. Like, like sometimes you when you go, go into most buildings, when I go into a building, there's no load time. Uh, the time there's a load is when you have to like interact with a door to enter a mission area. Mm-hmm. And like in open worlds, you know, I've gone into tons and tons of buildings where you just go in the door and you're in the door. And now it's a red zone. You got to look out for guards or whatever. And then, but then you have to load in like mission zones or like individual like places. And there's been a couple times where like the thing it loaded was like one room. And I'm like, why did you need to load that? Why couldn't that just have been open the door and walk in? Like, it doesn't feel like it was anything. And it was probably because you're not supposed to be able to access it until you do a certain thing. But I don't know. That might be a quirk of how the the game is built. But, like, that was weird. Um, Well, as somebody who has trudged forward through the story, like, you're not missing much, Matt. There is very, (laughs) I mean, honestly. I I felt like that was probably the case. You can, you could write the story yourself pretty much and guess everything that's going Mm -hmm. to happen. Um, And again, because there are no permanent characters in the story other than the person who's talking to you through Zoom and an AI, it's very hard to build any semblance of caring for what happens in the game because you have no connection with the people that are in it. Yeah, there's no so, real personal stakes to it because... It's I, don't just mean, like, I mean, look, I'll have characters... like dead sex, so help them win. Yeah. Like, like, I, I have ca- characters I like, but I wouldn't want to lose because they have a useful set of skills. Sure. Um, that's how I evaluate them. It's like, that's what gadgets it. do you have? And do I like to use them? Like, that's pretty much it. Yeah, although the although it should be noted, like, losing the, the best hacker, because the hacker I lost was the hacker plus you get for liberating the first yep. district. Yeah, um, Camden or, or whatever. Or Burrow, yeah. Um, and it did teach me a valuable lesson, which was it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, you can get through this with just about anybody. Anybody, um, yeah. It's just a little nice. The skills are basically just a little nice to have things. Nothing and is... fun. Yeah, it, they are. But, like, nothing is... Uh, so insurmountable that you couldn't get through it. Like there's no, there's no firefight or like, like no. you know, showdown that you couldn't get through with a hacker instead yeah. of a, a yeah, military yeah. guy. There's no, there's no because, boxing like, match you, you couldn't get through stuff? with a regular person and not just yeah. like a like a fisticuffs guy. Like they're, they're not they're, the specializations are there to kind of fit how you like to play they are not there to to be like the key to solving a mission like they, it is it's kind of not cheap. that complex it is kind of cheap how they made that work though and how they made that work was putting the traps all through the game um those little things that you can just activate with your cell phone that shocks them and d- incapacitates them if they get anywhere near it mm. and for whatever reason they can't see like the crazy energy fields and they just walk right into them and just fall down like yeah, I, think, I think you're the only one who can see that What'd you say? I think you're supposed to be the only one who oh, okay. can see that. Okay. Um, so yeah, it so that without that, it would be pretty much impossible. But it was also a pretty quick and dirty way for them to be like, Yeah, you can finish this any way you want. Yeah, but I mean those right. traps hey. have been in watchdogs forever. Like yeah. uh, but that's how I, they do it. That's kind of their trick to make yeah. you sure that you can get through it no matter what and again in this And I also miss uh I, I'm a little I miss being able to mess with the traffic lights. 
Yeah. Like there's you some still el- have the walls that'll pop yeah. up though. And those are fun, man, during chases. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, <laughs> I mean, there's some fun. cool stuff in there. Um, I do think it drives better than two. Um, yeah. I, but I'll say this. If you are going around a turn and you tap the brake, it just automatically goes into this like on rails power slide around the turn. Have you noticed that? Mm-mm. I don't use yeah, the brake like, much. <laughs> well, I, well, when I'm going around a turn and I cut and just slam the brake real fast, it goes into this weird like automatic power slide that almost just automatically takes you around the curve. But I agree, mm. the driving in general is way better and the vehicles in general feel different more than they did in the prior games. Yeah, like, I definitely am more picky about which vehicles. Like yeah, I'm more picky about which vehicles I pick up. The acceleration. And of course, they're mm-hmm. silent. So it's totally different, like driving those uh, versus all the other cars. So, and you know, there are big, huge, like trucks that you can drive and tanks. And, um, as and there's like, like an auto, there's an auto drive feature on most of them, uh, which I think is funny because it, it messes up all the time. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a mistake or not. I think that might be intentional. <laughs> I haven't really like, come across many bugs, even on base Xbox One. I haven't had any no, crashes. No. I had one crash last night. Um, yeah. I turned it on to try because I was actually going to be like, I'll play some story missions while I'm still listening to the end of the Republic uh, on like a on, on the laptop and uh, try to make some progress for the for the show tomorrow on the on yep. the story. And I got through like half a story mission, and it just suddenly just it froze and just did the whole like thing, and then just went back to the Xbox menu. And I'm like, well, I guess we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Nighty night. <laughs> um, and I know there was a there was a mission on the Xbox One X where like it would it's called 404, oddly enough, uh-huh. uh, that would just crap. It just ended like it, it oh. would overheat the it actually overheated the Xbox. It was some bug oh, where, I actually where, saw a story about where it like caused the thing to overheat and shut down. Site. They fixed it, but it was there for the like day one. There's a lot of day one issues on this one if you didn't have the first patch. Um, I've had no problems. It's played fine for me. Um, the other thing I really like about this game compared to a lot of other open world games is that the mission variety is way better. Um, between the, I think it's really just the focus on gadgetry and technology that sort of facilitates that. Mm. Uh, but you can do stuff in this game that you can't do in most other open world games. Like you can hijack one of those drones and get on top of it and just start flying like wherever you want to go. Um, there's and they work stuff like that. So then they're like, okay, we'll pick up cargo, cargo and deliver the cargo over here. And there's, to me, the the missions in this game are more interesting than they typically are. Um, like for instance, I played a ton of this game. Um, I played like the first four hours sitting here, and then I went out in the living room and started playing on the TV. And as I was going through the B-roll for the show today and cutting it down and, and rendering it for, for Game Face, I, there was hardly any gunfights. Like, I realized that, like, at the end of, like, my recording session, I got into, like, a few gunfights. But for the most part, like, I hadn't because, like you said, I was using the gadgets and the tools to get through a lot of the missions. And I like that this game gives you way more flexibility than most games to kind of complete stuff the way you want to. And I like that the developers play off of that and do create sort of interesting puzzles and uh, other elements. Like the one thing, like I couldn't figure out how I was supposed to get up to the roof. Uh, Then I find this lift and then you can take over the lift and the lift just takes you like right up to the roof. Like the game is just filled with little stuff like that that I don't see in a lot of open world games that again, because of what it is, it's, it's able to kind of do that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's. Um, and I mean, a lot of that is was also in two. I did play a fair amount of two last week just to sort of like refresh my memory what two was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, it's all, you know, also, there was a point during this where I'm like, oh, I don't know how to get up there. All right, there's got to be a scissor lift somewhere around here. But then you can also just find one of those cargo drones yeah. and fly and up there that way. Fly which up is there. Generally fly anywhere. faster yeah. and easier. And there's like some things where I'm like, you know, like I love some of the things where you can do like really convoluted stuff. Like, uh, you can like, like those, Breath of the Wild get in those some giant ways. cranes and like drop the crane down and like ride it up and circle it around and drop on the other building. Like, but again, once you learn that you have the cargo drones at your disposal, it's like, man, I'm just going to fly. The difference is the cargo drones can give you away. Like if, oh, yeah. the, if the police see you like or whatever, the, this, the, the bloom patrols see you on top of a cargo drone, they know something's up. So I would argue that they do not see you as well as they should. Not as often, no, but sometimes <laughs> a couple of in fact, a couple of the fights. AI in this game, there you'll see some of in the B-roll is like idiotic. Like yeah, I have literally ran directly at someone and then skirted around the side and went up behind him and executed him. Like yep. You can do yeah, that when they're when, you, know, you can do that in a fist fight too. If you can get behind them, you can still do a takedown. Like there's yeah. no there's no immunity from takedowns. Overall, the gameplay in this, in my opinion, is not very good. Um, Matt says the driving is better. I do agree, it's better. I still don't think it's it's great. The gunplay in this is it's like a joke. At least I think it is. The auto aim is like crazy on the default difficulty setting. Like you could have your reticle down in the corner of the screen and then squeeze the trigger and it'll snap up to the enemy. Like mm. that's how generous it is. And obviously they don't want this to just become a third person shooter and everyone blasting their way through it. They want people to use the tech and the gadgets. I get that. Um, but the gunplay is crap. To me, the melee is crap. There is like um like an evasion, an invasion, encountering, but like the animations are all goofy. Like the counterattacks are just weird. I don't know. I'd not, I'd feel disconnected from the combat in general in this game. What do you I don't think so. I, don't, I don't have a problem with it. The, the melee. My issue with the melee is I think the I think the, what's there works. My issue is that there's a the best way I could put it, I think there's a gap between like what you can do after a blocked combo, if that makes like because you can you can do the three hit combo. I mean, there's like a dead you can do point in time. No, I'll get to it. There's there's a three hit combo, and then there's a dodge. You can dodge, and if you dodge the um the um if you dodge the hit, you can do a counter hit. Yeah, if you time and it, then you down. have a you have a a grant kind of a guard break move where yep. if they're blocking, you can. So if you do a three hit combo and they block the whole combo, um, your basic options are you can go for a guard block if they're continuing to guard or you could dodge. But a lot of times I find that after I do the three hit combo, they just do an uppercut on me and I don't really have an option to like get away from it. And okay. same one when they charge at me and you're waiting, you can, if they charge you, they're either going to hit you or they're going to grab you. And doing the dodge when they go to hit you gets you the counter. But I have not really figured out an effective way to dodge the grab. And if there is a dodge on the grab, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, been, so I, so it feels like there's a component missing in the so-called rock, paper, scissors circle of how the combat works. I feel like something's not there. Um, I just and don't, I don't think it feels good. Um, I don't. I, so I don't get that. I, I think, think otherwise. Good. I mean, I've gotten through all the bare knuckle boxing mini game things like fine. Like I, I never lost a match. Like it was. I mean, the game in general, I think, fine. is really easy. Yeah, it's not that hard. I mean, I think I've had one or two deaths. I'm not exaggerating. I I've am playing two, on I've the default difficulty setting. So I've had a few close calls. Also, uh, check. Here's the thing. Uh, check your difficulty setting. Because I pick normal, because when you start up, you get the option of playing normal or hard, right? Mm -hmm. And at one point, and I went into the options immediately after the game started because I had to switch the, the Y axis to inverted. 
And there are and more options. It had defaulted me to easy. Yeah, and there so are switched, more options there too. There's actually like more difficulty mm -hmm. settings. So I switched it to normal, and I'm, so I don't know, I don't know if, when you start a game, I guess go double check your difficulty because I picked normal and it put me on easy. And I don't well, know if that normal was is easy. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's not that hard on normal. I've I've gotten a couple close calls where I had to basically run away because uh, uh -huh. I, I there was just too many guys with guns and I wasn't going to live another another five seconds there. Yeah. So I just would run away. But that's the thing is that they're really bad shots when you're moving. So like I've never been hit in a bad moment when I'm trying and to run just away stupid. from someone. I mean, they're so easy to trick and fool or just bait them or whatever. Um, it, I, I would recommend for most people who are pretty experienced players to put it on a higher difficulty setting. That's my, and um, the, uh, th they're actually better with the, with the spider drones. Like they're sharper when they're dealing with this, with your spider drone than with you. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. I guess maybe it is. That's yeah, they, they can shoot like you're. They can yeah. shoot your flying drones. Those little ones, like they're nothing. Like it's very hard to avoid their yeah. fire. But or when you shoot, like uh, when you yeah. take over the the flying drones and like uh -huh. they instantly know a flying drone has been taken over somehow. Yeah, and um, he gets swarmed. Yeah, and then they just. It's like, so by me, I assume that is because I think they're giving you an intentional break when you're playing as your character because you don't want the character to die needlessly. Yeah. Um, so that might be part of it. I don't know. I. I it's fine. Like, you know, it's fine. Like, I, I think I would use that word to describe this game as a whole. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's not a great game um, by any stretch. I, I even struggle to say it's a good game. Um, the other thing for me is that I have been playing another Ubisoft open world game for the last week alongside this game. And... It's been interesting <laughs> jumping between these two games that have completely different principles. But when you're playing one or the other, you feel like you should be able to do the stuff in both. <laughs> it's been very, it's been crazy. So I've had kind of this um, comparison in the background this entire week while I've been playing uh, Legion. And I don't think it's done it many favors, um, but I have enjoyed my time with it. If someone were to say, should I spend 60 bucks on it? I would say no. Uh, um, especially with the consoles launching next week, you guys may need to buy an extra controller for your new consoles. Um, you're going to want, uh, I mean, people have asked me this week about it and I've kind of said the same thing over and over. Like there's other stuff coming. And if you really want an open world Ubisoft game, I think the next one coming is going to be better. Um, just from the sake of iteration, yeah. you know, and, um, and I, the other thing I, I said kind of as a caveat was like, look, I am enjoying Watch Dogs, but I have zero doubt in my mind that it is not going to survive the other games that are coming next week yeah. when it comes to be having a place in my play schedule. Well, also sales in the UK for this were not good. It, no. it, it didn't even take the top slot. Like it, it couldn't beat FIFA and FIFA had been out for like yeah. a month. And like, this is like, in England, so you'd think there'd be right. some home field advantage a little bit. Although yeah. I have seen a lot of uh, English people like making fun of how bad the accents are in it. Um, <laughs> I, I would imagine. Which is weird to me because I'm like, you think the one thing you'd make sure is that you had like accurate ac British accents in it. But I guess, I mean, I, I can't tell because I don't know enough about English accents. I mean, I could recognize them, but I don't know which it, you know, this is from this or this is from this area. This is, so everybody's, I'm like, I don't know, everybody just sounds like a British stereotype to me. Um, which apparently is kind of the problem. But yeah, uh, the city, I mean, I've been to London twice 
Um, yeah, I've, I mean, I've been spent, there. I've been there several times. The, the, the city recreation is very authentic. Outside yeah, of the, that's what uh, I was getting at. Tech totalitarianism. I've been there for maybe like twelve days total between my two trips, mm. and from what I remember of London, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, it's very, it's very accurate. You know, I'm sure someone in scale wise who lives scale-wise there will off, tell us like, that we're insane, and I would totally no, respect that if they did. It's, so. it's at least it's more accurate to London than like Watch Dogs Two was to San Francisco and the surrounding areas. It's less compressed. I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yep. But uh, but does that really matter in the end? Not really. You know, it's not like you can get out in Leicester Square and go watch a play. You know, it's, just, it's, yeah. not, it's, it's not yep. a thing. Yeah. But it's a nice setting. It's kind of a nice setting to see some of the you know, old style buildings and stuff. I will say, I think it's a little less uh, vibrant than Two's because it has less variety because it's just a city and it's not a surrounding area. It's darker uh, just for, by the nature of how gray London is in general. Also, it's um, in Europe where they don't build skyscrapers. Right. So it just has a completely um, different kind of feel in, and tone. In fact, the existence of a very tall tower is like one of the big points of contention in the game. Right. Yep. That they have a giant bloom tower that is like, that doesn't belong here. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it is crazy that in Europe they have never built skyscrapers. That's one of the reasons their cities look so good. Yeah, it's true. And you can see so far in their cities yeah. as well. Um, you're right. And that's why a lot of tourists go there. So they've made the right choice for a number of reasons. For We just keep going up instead of out. It's really mm-hmm. odd. Well, in, in um, L.A., we do both. So Yeah, that's true. We are pretty sprawling here. Um, I guess my final point on Watch Dogs Legion would be it's it's a fun toy to play around with, but it's mm-hmm. not a great game. I yeah, think, I think I think that's what that's all. I've literally been saying that to people who asked about it this week was it's a fun toy. Yeah, that's that's it. And if you're and not look, ready, if you have a lot of disposable income, then I would recommend picking it up because I have had fun with it. And yeah, if you it looks have to go if you, into it, not counting on the narrative to carry you through the game. Yeah, if you if you see the previews and the trailers and stuff, and you think that I, the idea, the concept of the game looks cool, like the concept is realized pretty well. Um, yeah. But you have to accept that it's going to be a make-your-own-fun open-world game and not a I-can't-wait-to-see-what-happens-next open-world game. Will this kill the franchise, Matt? It might. It might. Like, I don't know. I mean, they, they worked real hard to make this thing sort of the, the watchdogs that brings it all together, and I don't know if they pull it off, uh, it either, and- either game-wise or sales-wise, uh, and I don't know if they will want to try another shot at this. I'll be honest with you. I can't say that I would really shed a tear. No, I mean, I really think there's a lot of potential. Yeah, nothing special. Like, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of potential there. with it, yeah, and it's different from their other stuff. And that's why I would like to see them continue. To, but it's, it just seems like no one really knows how to make it all gel properly. And like, it's not like I know either. You know, I can't well, I know pinpoint exactly what they the need deal to is. Create characters that people care about. Number one, mm. they need to create a cast, and they need to stick to it. And like, this is a cool idea. And disappear and come back. But you have to create this cast of people that resonates with the human players that are going to give you the money for the game. So I just think the even though that they kind of nailed the concept of this game, the concept just isn't good for a video game. That's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. So, And I think, we'll you could, I think what they should have done is there should have been a core dead set group. And right. like, should, like, and like there was in Watch Dogs like 2. Like Assassin's Creed. Yeah, like, you like had in Watch Dogs 2, you had that core yeah. group of five guy, five characters, and every, people Everyone liked them enough that people, that people not only were, did they want to see Wrench come back, who he is, which he is coming back in the DLC, mm-hmm. uh, but people are upset that Marcus isn't coming back because yeah. they liked him as a character. And I did like That's Marcus weird. as a character, which is, I mean, <laughs> his really jacket's weird. in the game, but he's not in the game. Like, I think Marcus <laughs> could get to London somehow if he saw yeah. this was going on, yeah. yeah. Um, but like, if you had that kind of core group that you liked and enjoyed de- dealing with, and then you could add in, you know, 40 more 
team members you could hire that had different skills or better. You know, you don't even need to make the core group particularly skilled. Like maybe the advantage yeah. of the people you hire is that they can have much more varied skills and be overpowered. Maybe just give your crew ways. like the guns and the weapons, and then you yeah. recruit the the smart folks with the tech and the gear. Yeah, like you could be. A, there are very ways simple. to do it. Or sure. you could use it as like kind of a. You could use the main characters as sort of trainers. Mm-hmm. And give you a little more control over what skills and abilities these the other characters that's have, and sort really of build idea. your team differently. That's a really good idea. Someone I mean, if you're gonna, that and put it in some yeah. game, like if you're going to do that <laughs> in uh, in like a in like a Watch Dogs four, like that, I can see why you wouldn't have maybe the time to iterate on that on this one. Um, but it, it just like the other two, uh, it this one feels like a really noble experiment in how to make this game concept, like the hacker open world game, work properly and. While they did uh, several things better than two, I think they fell short in a couple other areas, and so you sort of end up again at the same level as two. That's me. a good, yeah, you're right. They did something's better, something's worse, and ultimately, mm. I don't know. Actually, I think I enjoyed two more than this one, but um, I like the story. Obviously, I have an affinity for San Francisco because I yeah. live there, and I'm sure that it's, has some it's, hard, it's a it. toss up right now. I'm not far enough in in this one to really make that full call yet. I have. I think I've enjoyed playing the open world stuff in this more because there wasn't a whole lot of that in two that like really lent itself to, you know, there was, there was finding the skill points and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I, I think they, they, they sharpened the tech tree in this better because none of the tech upgrades feel useless. Like in two, like okay. two had this huge yep, you can skill find tree thing and it was just like, okay, here's this skill, spend five skill points to reload this type of gun three seconds faster. Yeah. And I'm like, why? But then, like, you've got to go through that to get to the robot upgrade you want. Right. It's just like, well, that's... <laughs> I mean, that's the skill time. trees in a nutshell. There's right. definitely a Penny Arcade comic in there somewhere. But, like, like, like losing the level-up system, I think, was good. I mean, like what I, I do when I look um, at skill trees is I look at the... The first thing I do is look at the final thing that you can unlock. Right. And if I want it, then I start on that skill tree. If I don't want it, I start on another one. That's pretty much how I choose. So I felt like the, the tech upgrades in this one were more meaningful. I agree with um, that. Yep, I so, agree. And they got rid of that thing where there were always, like, two always had these weird online generated, like random, like online generated missions that were just yeah. super generic and did you no good and weren't worth the money or the skill points that you, or the experience points. And then people are constantly made. like invading your game and like. Yeah. I mean, that might happen in this too because the it online could've... isn't here yet. Like the right. online doesn't go until December, I think. But, but as my of right thing now, on, it's not happening. So. Right. And my and right now I'm like, is anyone gonna be playing this? Yeah, well they're being one to raid. Like, I mean, people I, Vincent just played Watch Dogs 2 for mm-hmm. our old is new feature that we just published this past week. And they're still raiding in two. So yeah, mm-hmm. my guess is there will be enough to do it. Believe it or not, there's still people doing it. So anyway, that's Watch Dogs Legion. Um, Matt and I both lukewarm on it. I definitely say don't spend 60 bucks on it unless you're freaking rich. Yeah, I would. and even if you are freaking rich, like you got more things to spend money on next week. Yeah. So, like, you have, I think maybe the the better way to put it is you have better things to spend your time on. Yeah, in the next week, you're not going to have time to play this alongside all the other things that are going to be more interesting. Yep. Um, I'd be like this might be something fun to pick up after Christmas. Yeah, like so, or with a gift card that you get for Christmas. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, before we go on to the next topic, uh, it's time for a Twitch Prime roll call. Mr. 60, thank you for Twitch Prime. Sound Wizard, thank you for Twitch Prime. Uh, One Supermaster Gamer, thank you for Twitch Prime. Who else we got here? Snark, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, Karma Lounge, thank you. You guys are awesome. Thanks, guys. It means a lot to us. Uh, okay, next up, our very final PlayStation 5 update 
topic on game phase this is it we've been doing these topics for what how many weeks in a row do you think we've done them now matt eight maybe eight or so i mean are you sure last one because well i'll have it sitting here next week are you getting an early one i think not from like um uh, just from retail though like i got an email from the retail place that i bought it and i have an appointment to pick it up on the 10th at hmm. six in the morning interesting yep. Yeah, so it looks, it's looking like I'm getting PS5 on the 10th. And in fact, those of you guys, pro tip, those of you guys who pre-ordered, go check um, your retailer where you pre-ordered it because the we got it at Best Buy. And Best Buy is setting up appointments for you to roll in and get it. And it was funny, my wife's like, what time do you want? Like 2 p.m.? And I was like, what's the earliest appointment? Is she at 6 a.m.? And I said 6 a.m. So <laughs> I'm going to Best Buy at 6 a.m. on the 10th to pick up my PS5. Um, so I should have it for next week's show. It'll be a mad scramble. I'll probably just do the live unboxing right on the show. Um, I'll have it here. And why would I unbox it like an hour before the show is going to happen when I can do it live with you guys? So, so anyway, this probably will be the last week where we're doing one of these like roundups. The other thing about it too, is that we're running out of stuff to talk about there every week. We've had less and less as they have had less to announce And this week, definitely the weakest of the bunch. So this topic is not going to be all that long to be perfectly honest with you uh probably the biggest thing that people freaked out about this week it was one of the most commented stories on sifted this week um was ubisoft backwards compatibility on playstation 5. um there seems to be a disagreement between ubisoft and sony over which games will or will not work on playstation 5. um a handful of old assassin's creed games Ubisoft said wouldn't work and a couple VR games wouldn't work on PlayStation VR and then Ubisoft mysteriously took down the post saying that those games wouldn't work and basically said it was going to then investigate uh they had, hadn't they already investigated Matt if they had yeah, issued I, the it, report saying they wouldn't work well Ubisoft is a big company. Miscommunications yeah. happen. Um I think something somebody said something about like I think I saw that like someone said that PS5 uh the PS5 warning on the Assassin's Creed Chronicles games because the, the Assassin's Creed games were the Chronicles games, the three, you know, India, Russia, China. Yeah. Those like side scrollers yeah. um and Syndicate those indie games basically. And Syndicate for some reason. Yeah. Um well nothing's an indie game that Ubisoft makes. But you know but, what I mean. Um, Mm, they were made by smaller studios. They looked and played like indie games. Yeah, we've been over the indie game disagreement before. Um, the, where, it's where the money comes from. There's nothing independent about uh, independent about a Ubisoft game, but uh, they I were smaller scale saying, but things. I think when I say that, most people know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but terminology matters. Um, the uh, look. How long would it have taken anyone to realize those games didn't work? Right. Because the like, other thing too is all who's those throwing games Assassin's were... <laughs> Creed Russia in as their first next gen play. The other um, thing but all on those the, games on the... given away on right. like PlayStation Plus and like Xbox or like Live. you could buy like the bundle of all three of them for like five dollars right. like on every sale They're for the last two years. They're very low value like, targets. Yeah. <laughs> like if you really need them, like go pick them up on Steam for two for bucks dollar. in December yeah. for the holiday sale. You know. But like um, people did notice on the PS5 store, I think it basically said like it didn't say they wouldn't work on ps or the ps or the, the playstation stores it didn't say they wouldn't work on ps5 it said that features may not be available on ps5 okay. implying that so that might but again that might be like boilerplate it just got stuck on everything and may not apply to those yeah um or like this thing with demon souls where it had the wrong 
you know thing on the end of it that right, said like the trailer. Know, yeah, it yeah. said it was also going to PC. Um, you don't know. So, you know, I don't know. The VR stuff, I guess, makes sense because some of that stuff, uh, you know, maybe either you don't support it or in the case of Star Trek, I assume that license must be running out so you don't want well, to continue to put resources towards it. Well, the crappy part is that those are, like, to me, are two of the best PlayStation VR games. They are two games that someone mm-hmm. who gets motion sickness from VR was able to play and really enjoy, uh, and that was Werewolves Within. And I think what a lot of people would say might be the best VR game released so far, Star Trek Bridge Crew. On um, that platform, yeah, it's up yeah. there. I mean, I think those are two of the best games for PlayStation mm. VR, at least in my opinion. So that, to me, might be a big loss for peop- for the million point whatever people that actually bought PlayStation VR. But again, they're going to be the vocal minority. I don't think anyone's really all that concerned about PlayStation VR. Uh, not yet. Jim Ryan announced this week that it's not coming in 2021. I think we all assume that. I think I've mm-hmm. said that here on the show multiple times yeah. already. And it wouldn't surprise me if like these games actually did make it over when PSVR 2 shows up, like when there's actually yeah. a reason to focus on it. you know. But right now, I, I'm sure Ubisoft has no one even looking at that those titles right now i just found it weird that they publish it and then take it down and to me that says sony was like yo bro don't mm. don't put that stuff up there look at all the people on twitter freaking out over it that that would be my guess anyway of what happened um so, yeah i mean sort of a no need to no no need to bring that up until we have to exactly of. the yeah. biggest the biggest weird the biggest weird one on that for me is syndicate like why doesn't syndicate work that's a recent game yeah, it runs re- on the same engine as all the other Assassin's yeah. Creed games. It's a recent game. It's a it's a mainline game. Yeah. It's a big game. So what's the that's deal? That's like, well. I mean, like the others, okay. Like if you don't want to update the side-scrolling Assassin's Creed games, or like there's some weird thing about whatever engine they built them in doesn't trans- transport right. Okay, fine. Um, the VR stuff, sure. Like the, you know that there's a couple of a lot of VR stuffs not making the jump even from from first part. It's fine, yeah. but like Syndicate. A game that sold like five million copies. Yeah, that's, like that's like, tough. Yeah. And what in the world could be like if Unity works? Why doesn't Syndicate work? You know, I like know. that's it's it's a it lot of weird. I have a lot, I have many and then it does work on <laughs> Xbox. Yep. So what's the deal? Like <laughs> I really have no idea. Like at the very I, least, that sounds like an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not like I uh, wanted to play Syndicate again that soon, but like you know, if you like, maybe tell us some behind the scenes on that because I'd like to know. And yeah, like, I mean that's really the only game of consequence, at least yeah. in the short term. I would say. Yeah. Um, another story from this week. Uh, so we talked last week about the PlayStation Five user interface and how it has basically these built-in video walkthrough hints built right into the UI, um, and we wondered aloud if developers would not support it. And we we wondered, we guessed that probably first-party studios would be forced to, and then the third-party guys probably would be like, no thanks. Well, we got some confirmation on that this week. Demon Souls will have uh, over 180 help videos in the PlayStation 5 UI on launch day. And I cannot think of a better game to get 180 walkthrough videos for. Although I would also say... I don't think they're going to help people all that much because that game is not about like knowing what to do. It's about doing it. Mm. And so I want, you know, they're, they're smart because the game, they're also smart to announce it because obviously the game has a reputation for being challenging and Sonny may be thinking people may be scared off by that. So saying, Hey, there's 180 hip uh, tips and hints that you can access at any time while you play might get some people to try it that maybe didn't. Yeah. 
It seems, I mean, I don't like, I, Souls has to click with you. Like, it, it yeah, you, you either get it or you don't, and eventually you will get it if you play it long enough, I think. Mm-hmm. But, um, Demon's, I mean, we'll see how Demon's Souls is sort of rebalanced and, and messed with in this, because Demon's Souls was one of the more impenetrable ones to me, if maybe because it was, it was the first. Um, but, as I've said before, Demon Souls, two, Dark Souls Two is where the the genre, the the series clicked with me, and then I went back and played Demon Souls and like didn't die for like the first five hours, mm-hmm. which before or before I could barely get through the first right. area, mm-hmm. and um, so I'm interested to see how that. Like, but you're right, like Souls games success comes in the doing, and not, I mean I know what I need to do. Yeah, the, it's not like you the Orenstein smog fight, like, but like doing it is go? different. Like that's not the problem. <laughs> I mean, it can be, uh, but in Dark Souls, you can one, get in trouble if you go the but wrong like, way. But yeah. not like Demon Souls is a hub, and you specifically go to each. I mean, there's things where it's like, okay, don't cross that bridge yet because the dragon will burn you, and you're not ready for that. Um, but otherwise, I mean, this you're supposed to learn that the first time the dragon the first time kills you go across you. the bridge. Like yeah. you don't go across that fucking bridge. Like, yeah. it's, like it's it's a very easy lesson. Um, but I mean, it's it's certainly an interesting game to test this concept on. You know, like yeah. it's 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 fitting. It's the perfect and I think, game to test. It and on. I think a lot of people will use it because of the nature of the game. Whether it helps them or not is a different question. But it's certainly a game to push people into trying this new feature. Yep, for sure. Uh, next. The DualSense, which is the brand new uh, controller for PlayStation 5, crazy haptic feedback triggers. Honestly, the part of PlayStation 5 that has been getting the most glowing praise. Um, People have wondered, okay, well, I get this controller, and they are expensive. Uh, What can I use it on? And Sony has come out and said that you cannot use the DualSense on the PlayStation 4. Um, So people are like, okay, I'll assume that it won't work on PlayStation 4, but they started testing it on everything else, and it works on everything else. It works on PC. It works on Switch. And it takes finagling. Don't get me wrong. You can't just plug it in and it works. But it communicates with both of those platforms. It also works with PlayStation 3. That is a weird one. It's like, it's like okay. I mean, they're obviously, so it's obvious what's happening here. They're blocking they're, PS4. Yeah, to make you buy new controllers. That's exactly what's happening. It's dirty. Um... I mean, I you need to buy the new controller anyway because uh, you need the, you want the various features. Well, no, well, you're but you're going to get the, one. I mean, yeah, get one, but you're going to need all those features to go with the new games. Um, I, I don't see a whole lot of need to use it on PS4 because those features won't work there. I'll be honest um, with you, Matt. Whoever comes over, they bring their own controller or they use the crappy one. That's just house rules, bro. That's mm. the way it's always been. Like back in the day, the people the people who came over, they had to use like the crappy like Nacon controller or the Mad Cat. Yeah. Like, well, you can still use the PS4 controller on uh, on, a, on a PS5. You can, um, yeah, but to play PS4 games, right? Uh, yeah, I don't you think can't you can use play them PS5 to play games. PS5 games, yeah. But like, I mean, it's just it's weird that that's what they're doing with this. I don't. Like it probably would never have occurred to me to try to use the dual sense on a PS4. Like it just yeah. I don't know. The only like reason w- you would is if your old controller broke. Yeah, I and you don't have another one and it would suck if your PS4 controller broke and you don't have another one and you have a dual sense sitting there and you can't use it. I don't know. It just wouldn't be any different than the other times my PS4 controllers broke. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> So anyway, just a little strange, I think. Um, just a little wrinkle. Uh, you're right. Most people aren't going to try to use their DualSense on PS4. I just think there's some kind of anti-consumer stuff going on there. Um, and then it's just, a, it's just a use case that doesn't seem like it would apply to more than like one percent of people. And yeah. 
It's just the weird. The weird part is why is Sony going to such lengths I to make sure it. that doesn't it makes happen? No sense. And then not covering the base on the PS3. Like you're sort of giving away the game on that one there. I mean, it's reminding me a little bit of like the the cards for Vita. Like just not yeah. in not in like a literal sense, but just the way Sandy Sony handles its business sense. Like, yeah. But in general, I don't think we expect to use the new controller on the old systems. Right. Like, yep. that's never been a thing, really. Yep. Uh, so last week, we mentioned in passing that there was a third-party company that was creating and releasing plates for the PlayStation 5. As you know, at launch, all you're going to get are the white plates that come on the launch units. Um, but this company, Plate Station, was creating crazy plates that you could snap onto your PlayStation 5 or just simple colors if you just wanted like an all black PS5. Well, that didn't last long. Um, and I wonder if, you know, people like us talking about it didn't help. But Sony basically issued a cease and desist to the company this week and they have basically shut down. So no, no custom face plates for anyone. I have not heard about like if they're refunding people, if you already placed your orders, I would guess that they would. This is high profile enough that if they were to try to slight people, it could get really ugly. Uh, so well, they I did change their name, so maybe they're not gone completely. They, um, maybe they're going to try to figure out a way to make it happen. I would think that it's more of a case of a license. Um, and they were doing some cool things there, even though I'm not interested in the plate stuff. They're doing some cool things. So if I were Sony, I would maybe be looking in like, okay, you want to do this? <laughs> you want to do this like legit? Like we'll we'll talk to you about it. Yeah, kind of like how I am eight bit does a bunch of stuff yeah. for publishers. Certainly, I mean so, they could create really cool plates for like you know. Let's say the new God of War comes out. I wonder if they'll mm -hmm. start shipping games with like plates for like collector's editions. <clears throat> if you're gonna like the big box ones, maybe yeah. like that's that's a that's not wouldn't be you know it might be more. Useful I mean, let's than be honest. Statue. They're not. I don't think. Do you think they're gonna release like collectors limited edition PlayStation fives? Like it doesn't seem like it's you need to. Like all you have to do is just put out the plates because nothing's gonna change well, on the hardware with that that black band around it. Well, nothing changes on the hardware on any special edition of a console. I think right, do but it. you weren't able to snap the shells off before and snap a new one on. Now yeah, but they want to they want to sell you a console. They want to sell I know you plates. They do. So, so I, you I think, think that they'll still do them. Well, yeah, because the purpose of a lot of those special edition consoles is to get someone to buy a console that doesn't already have it. Yeah, but I just wonder if people will be like, just sell me the place for 45 bucks. Well, no, because that's not the purpose of those consoles. The purpose of those consoles is to bring new people into your ecosystem because like they love Resident Evil 4 or Res or yeah. you know Final Fantasy or God of War. Like that's I'm gonna finally take the jump into PlayStation 5 and I'm gonna do it with a God of War themed console. They could sell plays. Obviously, they could do the same thing, mm -hmm. but if you, you know, I, w I would think you'd at the very least offer both. Like, you know, you can get a, you can get the God of War plates if you want. And then like the, the special edition console comes with slightly different God of War plates uh, with the console because you don't have a PS5 yet, but you want one for God of War. Um, Hail so to Starscream so. and Wampler13 are saying that um, they are giving refunds and they are going to sell skins. Mm. So. Like Looks sticker, like they're not going the out of vinyls. business, but they're going to pivot into something else. So. All right, so they, so they can't sell the the, the plates, physical object, but they can sell like a vinyl that goes on it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if it has something to do with like a CAD file being like having copyright or something. That could know. be. They are specially shaped and probably, there's probably patents on how they connect to the system. Yep, there that's, could be that's something probably my, that, what's happening there. Yep. So, and I think part of it is Sony wants to sell them itself, you know, and it wants to sell limited edition consoles. And if you're letting somebody put Zelda on their PlayStation mm -hmm. Five, they're never going to buy the Zelda PlayStation Five. So, 
Maybe. There's a lot the of other, incentive. The other thing is I haven't seen like kind of the the contracts and the and the the caveats that go with this thing. Like because taking those plates off does expose some of the hardware. Like, oh, yeah. does taking the plate off void your warranty? I wouldn't think so. When I watched the teardown, the there was no sticker that was removed for that. Mm-hmm. After you take that off, that's when you have to actually. Right. But we'll see, if, the deal we'll see if there's that sticker on the actual retail. It's possible. Yeah. It is. It is possible. You're right. And what we'll, you're, I mean, that is a good way that they could keep people from buying third party plates for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and these things are expensive. A lot of people are going to want to avoid their warranties. So it could be a viable tactic for Sony. We'll see. Um, and look, we'll keep you guys abreast of this. Some of you guys may be interested in getting plates. Uh, if they pop back up and they start doing it again, or if another company appears that wants to have sort of the same business model, uh, we'll let you guys know. Um, and then the final piece of the puzzle for PlayStation 5 this week, and this is more of just a personal anecdote. Um, so we mentioned last week that they had just launched the program to get the adapter that you needed for PlayStation VR to work on PlayStation 5. Um, I had not actually done it uh, when I talked about it. I, we had curated a story about it, and I knew the links were live. I went to do it after the show was over, and it, I couldn't get it to work. I put Again? in my serial number and all the information, it looked like it went through, but I never got any confirmation email. And now every time I try to go and do the process, it won't accept my serial number. I have tried to call the number that they give you when that error pops up. And it is literally, if you call, they say, we can't take any more calls. They won't even answer the phone. So I still have not been able to order the adapter. I don't know if you guys have had better luck, but their website just completely crapped the bed. Um, you said, you so, said that last week too, that like that happened and you weren't sure if it was like permanently attached to your serial number or whatever. I, I forgot. I haven't even looked at that yet. Yeah, I still haven't been able to get it to go through. I have a post-it note here uh, with like my serial number and the phone number. And I've been trying to call it every day since then. And I can never get through. So... I don't know. We'll see. I'll keep at it. Again, I have that post-it note there, so it'll keep reminding me to do it. But here's a friendly reminder to you guys to go and do it because it is not a painless process. You might want to get on it right now. So that's it for PlayStation 5. We're one week out from launch. It makes sense that there wouldn't be that much to talk about. There shouldn't be. Um, We should be transitioning to the point where we're going to start talking about the products, the games, the peripherals, the hardware, and stuff like that. And it's pretty freaking exciting to realize that we are there. Um, Next up, we're going to talk about something related to next gen that has been one of the two most used catchphrases to market both the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. One of those terms is SSD, and the other term is ray tracing. And ray tracing is a very intensive hit on hardware. Um, It's... For layman's terms, it's a way to create more realistic reflections, shadows, water. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, you're basically bouncing light or images off things, and you're really really simulating how those things would reflect in real life. Instead of faking it, which is the way that games have done it forever. And the reason they've been faking it forever is because ray tracing is a huge resource suck on both... it's absurdly expensive in terms of, of uh, processing power and hardware, you know, performance. I remember the first time I ever heard about ray tracing was actually um, in an article about the making of Desert Strike. 
You remember you remember that Matt, game? They talked about ray tracing with the GameCube. No, I'm, I'm Desert Strike, the Genesis. Oh, oh, that's way before. Yeah. The gen, the Genesis. You, you remember these games? Is another. I, is another, I, I didn't. I do not remember that. You remember? There's another series of um of games uh, that EA has in its vault that we'll never see again. Um, but Desert Strike. Now, yeah, yeah, Desert Strike. It was Desert Strike, Jungle popular. Strike, uh, Urban Strike, Soviet Strike, a bunch mm -hmm. of them. But Desert Strike was the first one. It was it was basically based on the on the Gulf War, the first Gulf War. <laughs> we, we didn't call it that then. I hate to laugh um, at that, but. but um, Basically, you you fl flew an Apache attack chopper uh, in a kind of a three quarters like Diablo like point of view, and the the model like not not the 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 sprite in the game was just a sprite, but the three D model of the of the helicopter they used to make the sprite was a ray traced pre rendered model <laughs> with the with the light bouncing off the thing and, and off the spinning blades and everything, and like that was one of their big data points when their big like things was like. This is the, the the helicopter in the game is based off of a 3D model that uses ray tracing for just the most accurate. The, and like they talked about at the time, like ray tracing is like a super, you know, it took like five days to render this tiny helicopter <laughs> before we could transpose it into like 2D art and everything. And they talked about how one day ray tracing will be done, you know, in real time. But that's way, way down the line. And they're uh, right. They're right. 30 years later, here we well, are. That goofball who initially ran Retro Studios, he was talking about having ray tracing in Metroid Prime, like yeah. pre-GameCube launch. So it's it's been sort of like this holy grail for a while. Uh, and there's a lot of times when they're saying, oh, I think we can do it. No, we can't. <laughs> it's kind of been the ongoing thing. Like maybe this time. No, it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of a can. It reminds me of the... The constant thing every time a new PlayStation comes out, they're like, was it Toy Story graphics yet? Right. You know, like that, you know, that thing. But now you go back and watch Toy Story and you realize it. Yeah, it actually is better it than Toy Story. It in like the PlayStation <laughs> 3, like very easily. It's pretty crazy to watch the first Toy Story now and realize how blown away you were by it when you saw yeah. it. And look although, at it although it's worth noting that if you watch, if you carefully watch Toy Story, even the first Toy Story, the lighting's still better. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they're using pre-rendered ray tracing. Yeah. Like, because yeah. it's still... Because they have render farms to handle yeah. that. Because <laughs> they don't need to do it in real time. Yep. Um, so anyway, but we're getting there. Like, we, we're watching Ratchet right now. Ratchet is, like, it's, I mean, obviously, I'm sure people will break it down frame to frame, whatever. But, like, Ratchet looks as good as some of that to me. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and the reason we're talking about this is because, as I said, ray tracing has been this huge catchphrase to convince us that we need to spend $500 on a console. And in all honesty, the information on which games will or will not have ray tracing has been very sketchy and really spotty. But finally, we're a week away from release, and they're having to, to basically give up all the information at this point. And so we got some very confusing information that basically of all the next-gen games that have been announced so far... Only 13 will support ray tracing at all. At all. And so we we feel like we're ray tracing is here. It's native on these consoles. They've convinced me to spend the money on these consoles in part because of ray tracing and the SSD and a better GPU, blah, blah, blah. But sure, ray tracing has been one of the big catchphrases that have been tossed around. And as it turns out, Matt, do you think these consoles are going to be able to handle it? It doesn't look like they can. Absolutely. You think they will? Of course. I mean, like, you're, you're never going to get, like, huge 60 frames per second stuff at 4K at them because ray tracing, as you've said, is very, very expensive. What's happening here, I think, is you're dealing with a bunch of games that were not built for this. 
Like you're dealing with a so bunch you think of games. They're trying to bolt it on. Well, because I think a lot of these games started development before hardware was finalized. A lot of them, the, the first party stuff is all doing the ray tracing to various degrees one way or another. But like Assassin's Creed doesn't have it. And I think part of that is because they started building that game long before they had final hardware in their hands. Like and once now that once you know what you're dealing with, you can then move forward. With that. The other thing is it's just a setting, really. So if you wanted to add it later... Um, you know, there's, there's a non-zero chance, I think, of, uh, you know, I don't know too much about the implementation of that kind of thing, how much it would take to rework of whatever, but it wouldn't super surprise me if, if like, the, the DLC starts dropping for Assassin's Creed next year, and they're like, oh, by the way, the first DLC update will add ray tracing on PlayStation You think it's going to become, like, a feature? Well, no, I think they're just going to have to play catch-up with it. Um, cause this, cause I think hardware got into people's hands so late and you weren't sure exactly what the final specs were going to be. So you didn't, I don't think you wanted to implement something this expensive processing wise and then find out it's like, Oh, actually in the final hardware, you're, you doesn't, you know, on your dev kits, it drops it down to 30 when you turn it on, but on the final hardware, it drops it down to 15 and now you got to start over with it. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, look so, at right now, Halo Infinite doesn't have ray tracing and 343 is like, we don't know. We don't know if we're going to be able to get it to work. Um, well, I'm not going to judge next gen by Halo Infinite. Just yet. Like there's, <laughs> there, there's a whole other course of problems over there. Um, but I think it does you, have it. It does? It does, yes. Okay. Um, and and I, as I understood, that was part of Digital Foundry's explanation for why we thought it looked less good or flatter was because it was actually... Um, uh, emulating how light is dispersed in shady areas very accurately, but that looks really mundane. Yeah. It, it, the part of the thing with ray tracing, and I think this is something you're going to see moving forward um, as people learn to use it more accurately, or not use it more accurately, but use it more aesthetically, um, is the temptation is going to be to make everything look realistic. And the problem is that realistic is boring. Yeah. And it's going to be more interesting when you see you know, don't make Halo Infinite look real. Make Halo Infinite look interesting. Right. Use the ray tracing to make it pop, but don't, you don't have to make it look, that's what something really looks like in a shadow. Yeah, that's, that's boring. Like, make it pop. And you're going to be able to do that, but it's just going to be a learning process. And I think, look, if you want to know who to look for, for who's going to kind of set the bar for ray tracing stuff, Insomniac. Like, yeah, Miles sure. Morales, Miles Morales and Ratchet are... Well, light those years are two ahead. of the three games that'll yeah. happen for PS5. Those two games are light years ahead of everybody else on this, from yep. what I can see. And I'll be honest with you, here's the list of notable next-gen games that include it. And this is the whole list, Matt, as of mm -hmm. right now. Ratchet & Clank, Gran Turismo 7, Spider-Man Miles Morales, and Forza 8. All the other games that have ray tracing are indie games. Small projects, mm -hmm. small budgets, low-poly counts, easier to pull off. So... We're looking Although at one of the most impressive uh, ray tracing implementations currently is Minecraft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like mind bogglingly awesome. Yeah. Um, what they've done with it there. And it really shows what it can do to make mm -hmm. games look better. I don't always think games look better with ray tracing turned on. I may yeah. be crazy. Um, and maybe it's partly I, what you're saying that like they just haven't really figured out how to massage it. That's correctly. part of it. Also, part of it, like, like I mean, you be, uh, Watch Dogs supports it, um, at least on PC. And um, you know some yeah, of the reflections. Kind of an update later for console. Yeah, some of the reflections, like on the, especially like the weird, you know, cyber techie, you know, thing like the Bloom billboards and like the mm -hmm. the, the you know where they're all like kind of that black, you know, what I mean, like that black yeah. sort of high hive look. Like yeah, yeah. Everything reflects properly off that on the street and everything moving. Oh, it's wow. like very impressive. Okay. Um, and like you look at side by side screenshots, like yeah, the ray tracing on looks better. 
Are you ever going to notice that when you're playing the game? Not too often. And is it worth on PC? It's like a it like cuts the frame rate in half. Is that worth it to me? Not really. I think these developers are going to get to a point where they're like, it's not worth it. It's to make our game run like crap. And to have to put all this work into it, I just well, that's the I thing is wonder. I think I think in the end the ray tracing, the ray tracing option is going to be the 4K of the of the next gen. It's going to be you can do it, but you're going to take a hit. You're going to have to play at 30 frames a second. You're going to have to yeah. take a hit from it. And so, do you want to trade off performance for appearance, or do you want to play something that runs at a higher frame, like a higher frame and looks almost as good? And look, most of the time, I pick higher frame rate that looks almost as good um, on yeah. every, not just that on, on PC as well. Like yeah, I, yeah. it's not that important to me. Um, ray tracing looks, makes it look really cool. And like the, the demos make it look really neat. Um, but I don't see, and like, I just don't see anything that, that makes me say like, Oh, I will lose half my performance to make the reflection on that lake look better. Like it's yeah. not really important to me. The other thing I would say too about ray tracing is it tends to look better when you're there's no movement, and then yeah, still photos show it way better. Still, and shots. then when you start yeah. to move, and part of it may be that just the hardware just can't pull it off. Things start to get like murky when you're mm-hmm. moving in with ray tracing on. And if I've seen that on PC and footage that have been has been captured on like five thousand dollar rigs, so I'm really wondering like. Well, these consoles are really, I mean, legitimately going to be able to pull it off. Well, again, I'm continuing to say it's a learning curve. It's a new thing. And it's going to get better as the generation goes on, just like everything else. Like if you went back to the beginning of the PS4, if you show, if you, if you went back and showed the you in 2013, who was playing Killzone Shadowfall, Horizon Zero Dawn or God of War, you would have been like, how, how the hell can this be on the same hardware? And to be fair, that's true. It's not. It's on the pro, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, so get ready for the refresh in a few years. They yeah, can actually we'll, we'll do the talk ray tracing in a, a little bit. Let me do our big previews. But. but I think that that I think there's a learning curve here, and there's a there's an optimization curve, and they will, people will get devs will get better at it. Yeah. Um, I, I guess to cap it, I would just say lower your expectations a little bit for the first like 18 months of these consoles. I would say lower your expectations a bit just for ray tracing in general, because it's not any kind of magic bullet. It's just going to be nice to have. And it's it's noticeable though, when it's turned on, like it's not one of those things there, but like I have been like some people cannot tell side by side HDR or not HDR with this. You'll be able to tell, like you'll be able to look at two screens and be like, okay, I can see that it's on on this one. So it is a pretty significant step. If they can get it to work, uh, I just think there's there's other things that are more important. Uh, the yeah, SSD loading rates. is more important. <laughs> yeah. um, no, in terms of like bells oh, and whistles, what the features uh, of the, uh, the SSD stuff, the, the load times and the streaming data is more important. The uh, particle effects that we're seeing are more important. Yeah. That's a more you know the particle effect. I mean, you're seeing it in Ratchet and Clank, but also oh, the yeah. particle effects in Miles Morales. Like there's things like that. That shot of him smashing the rhino through the concrete floor of the mall is one of the most impressive things I've seen for this whole next gen. Yeah, it's real time. It's crazy. It's, it's it crazy. really it's nuts. Yeah, so, I agree. Like all that's fine. It's, it's not like ray tracing was the main reason to buy these things. It's just going to be like a thing they like to tout because it's never been there before. But um, if you're if you're really going to drop five hundred bucks on a system because ray tracing, you might want to reevaluate your your plan. Well, but some I don't may think... be looking at buying a GPU for their PC instead. That's you know an extra couple yeah, hundred. Bucks. I mean, I... like if I can get ray tracing for five hundred, then maybe I'll do it. Yeah, I don't know if I would. I mean, look, my like my brother in law is buying a, a new car. He's getting a thirty ninety um, for his, and he he accidentally got an extra pre order. 
for one. And uh, he was like, oh, do you want it? And I'm like, mm, no, I, I passed didn't on take it. it huh? I passed on it because like, I don't really, it's too early. I think like I want a later card that has sort of like beefed things up a bit, has more, you I know, mean, cause I'll be cause look, that's that. where Ray, if I'm going to, if I'm going to like go hard on the ray tracing, it's going to be on PC. Let's be honest. I'll and, be honest, Matt. Once I get my new consoles, my desire to upgrade my PC for gaming is going to be basically zero. I'll just be honest with well, you. I don't, I don't agree with that because there's stuff I prefer playing on PC. Yeah. Can, like, look, if I want to like, play it, you're right. Like eventually I will upgrade my graphics card because I want to play an RTS. Yeah. But it's I not a priority to me right now. Right. Like, so my desire now to upgrade my GPU is a lot lower well, because I'm getting my consoles. Well, my desire and la or lack thereof has more to do with the fact that my computer is so old that I know that if I get a new graphics card, I basically need to build a new PC. You have to build a whole new rig. Like it's, it's like, I'm not going to be able to just throw a 3090 in this thing, and it's just going to like <laughs> yeah, probably you know, like, not. Because you had that PC when Sifted launched, so yeah, so I, I built that for Witcher Three when that when Witcher yep. Three came out. So that was like May 2015. Yeah, it's so reaching it's, its, it's expiration date. That's it's over it half goes. a decade old. I mean, it still works fine. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my my GTX 1080 still fine. It still plays everything at like 1080 Ultra. I'm I'm good. Yeah, I still play Baldur's Gate 3 at Ultra. That's all yeah. I want right now. Yeah, so. definitely uh, no no ray tracing happening, but... No, but... Whatever. The games still look great. Uh, so anyway, there you go. That's the latest on ray tracing. One of the biggest catchphrases from the last four months that en ends up, may end up becoming kind of a dud. We'll see. As it's sitting right now, that should definitely not be the reason that you buy no, a PlayStation 5 or a, a Series X. I don't think it's going to be a dud, but I think it is going to be... It's, it shouldn't be a reason you do anything. Okay. Other than buy a new graphics card, this yep. then then it probably is a reason to do something. All right, uh, up next we're going to do something we've never done on Game Face before. We are going to toss to a pre-recorded segment. Uh, Vincent, who works behind the scenes with us on a lot of stuff on Sifted, uh, he does a great job for us, and we want to get him into Game Face however we can. Um, unfortunately, with the way we do the show, we can't bring him in via Zoom. But we did a pre-recorded conversation with him about Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Let's roll it. Hey everyone, this is something new for Game Face. We're doing some pre-recorded segments with our good friend Vincent, who works really hard behind the scenes on a lot of stuff on Sifted, and we want to get him into Game Face. But unfortunately, with the way things are set up with COVID right now, we can't exactly do it live. So we've decided to pre-record some stuff with him to go in the show going forward. And the first thing we're going to talk about is Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Did, have you played, did you play the Wii U version of Pikmin 3? Yeah, I played it a ton. Like, I checked my Wii U stats a bit ago, and I had 185 hours in it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you, it's, it's safe to say you're a big fan of this game. Yeah, I was playing it a ton. Like, I was able to do the campaign and the minimum number of days you need. I was, like, I, I was trying to get my high scores and all the mission mode stuff. Now, I don't even yeah. remember. Were, were those things, like, uploaded to a server somewhere where you could Yeah, like, there compare? are rankings that let you compare to everyone. Oh, okay. I think the Wii ones eventually got hacked, but they didn't when I was playing it. <laughs> they got hacked? <laughs> yeah. Why would somebody yeah. hack that stuff? Of all things... For the same reason all the rankings are hacked. The like same... with my Watch Dogs, that was hacked when I, all those rankings. Oh, really? Interesting. So yeah. people are trying to hack them to put their name up there and like yeah. higher in the ranks? Oh, I, I mean, know. but it's, it's weird. In, in Pikmin, there isn't even a name. It's just a score. <laughs> Again, why would they do that? So you're a veteran of the Wii U version. I did. I played the Wii U version and I finished it. I didn't play it much after I finished it. And just very quickly for people 
who aren't familiar with the franchise. Uh, the first game, excellent, but it had like a time limit uh, that you basically had an oxygen level that you had to manage. And when your oxygen ran out, you would die. And then they removed that in the second one. And I, I don't know. I like things about the first one and the second one for different reasons. Like, I don't know which one is my favorite. Um, but it was way more laid back. They removed like the oxygen limit and the time limit, and you could just kind of play it at your own pace, which had its, had its own rewards. So anyway, Pikmin 3 kind of followed more closely in the steps of the second one than the first one. Um, and they've re-released it for Switch, as they have done a lot of Wii U games on Switch. Vincent, what are the big changes for the deluxe version? So the bulk of it is the same as the Wii U version, but there's basically three main categories of changes. First of all, they tried to make it a lot more accessible. There Meaning. are three new difficulty modes. There's okay. there's a normal hard and then ultra spicy, which I'll get to in a bit. The hard is basically what the Wii U version was, except it's a little easier since there's more nectar around to make your Pikmin grow faster and such yeah if you guys remember that's like the golden honey like stuff that you get in pikmin to help your pikmin grow yeah but the the normal mode gives you more time in each level i think it makes the enemies have less hp okay i played on hard and how much of a challenge was it for you as a veteran of the game not really a challenge at all. Okay. There is a third mode called Ultra Spicy, which removes a lot of that bonus nectar. Uh, it also means you can only have 60 Pikmin out at a, t- a time instead of 100. Okay. Yeah. You need that to makes normally a big beat- difference. <laughs> yeah. That's probably that's why I didn't choose it, because no, I, I like will, being I will able say to Pikmin do- 3 wasn't that hard. I felt like by the time I got to the end, like my reserves were like kind of beyond where I, like I felt like I could have just like stood there for like a week and not died still because I had kind of built up my reserve so much um but you're saying it's basically the difficulty curve is essentially the same as the Wii U version yeah with a couple extras added mm-hmm. okay um and then this the main campaign the story for Pikmin 3 hasn't changed right like the core story is still the same yeah you're still there's a group of three adventurers who are going to this new planet in order to find food to save their home planet. But they start. it starts by them getting separated, and then you've got to find each other, and then you've got to find the, the cosmic drive key that's been stolen by a mysterious Olimar figure. <laughs> Which yeah. actually segues nicely to a couple of the other additions. Uh, now there's a co-op mode, right? A split-screen co-op mode? Yeah, the main thing... There's all. There's always been co-op in the mission mode, but now you have co-op through the whole campaign, two-player, but it's local only, unfortunately. Not, oh, it's, there's no online. No. Which sucks no right now because the... it's it may be kind of hard for a lot of people to have a friend come over and play, right? Yeah, that also hurts more for the multiplayer. The bingo battle mode is is good, but it's also local only. Why do you think so it, they haven't included online play in this? Because they've done so much work. We're going to get to some other additions here in a minute that are pretty awesome. Uh, why do you think they, they didn't include online play? Seems I'm like honestly not sure. Like, it's rare for Nintendo to add the online play in these ports. Like, they're going to do it with 3D World, Mario's 3D World, mm-hmm. but that's an exception that proves the rule. Yeah, because what what are some of the other deluxe games? There's the one fighting game from Bandai Namco that its name is slipping my mind right now. 
Pokemon tor- Poke tournament. tournament. Yeah. yeah. Now that did that come to Switch with online? Because it did have. Yeah, online it had too. online with a Wii U version right. too, and it did for Switch as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's a disappointment for sure. But really, the cool thing are the other additions. Co-op's fine, and maybe people will get more mileage out of that if we ever get out of this freaking pandemic. But the other stuff is cooler. We talked about Olimar earlier, and he makes an appearance in this, right? Yeah, I mean, he's in the story. Like, part of it is that they had to come to the planet for as a treasure hunting expedition, because that's all that the president cares about on their home planet. <laughs> and they have... They get stranded here because of reasons in the story. And the one of the main things is that there's a new prologue added to the game that has Olimar and, and his partner, Louie, trying to find treasure. And he he he's also a part of the epilogue as well, right? Yeah. I don't know if I want to get into too many spoilers, but yeah. But the, he's a part of that. Yeah. yeah. Olimar and Louie have to come back to the planet for reasons... And then, and Olimar plays a big role in that. Um, yeah, that's kind of extra content added on to the end of the game. Yeah. Um. So you get like new content before the game and new content at the end of the game. So while they haven't really tweaked the core con- campaign all that much, you are getting a bunch of bonus content, right? I don't know if I'd call it a bunch. The prologue is four missions that are. All of the prologue and epilogue missions are take place on variants of the same maps maps that are found in the campaign. But and don't they bring back the timer element from the first game? Or is that the challenge I mean, missions? The, I can't remember. I mean they're they're timed mission. They're basically mission mode. The mission mode's goal is just trying to get a high score by by collecting all the stuff or defeating all the enemies. And but I thought it was within a time limit. That you had a timer no, that you had to complete them. There's movement. no individual time limit. Each of the individual missions in the prologue and epilogue are self-contained. Okay. Okay. I guess I got bad information then. I thought that that was the case. That yeah, the campaign still has style. kind of a timer, but that's based on how much fruit you do. Right. The whole point of the campaign And what I was getting at earlier is that by the time I got to the end of Pikmin 3, I had so much fruit that literally I think I could have stood there for like a week and like never would have died. So Yeah, like if you get all the fruit in the game, you have 99 days to do it. Yeah. And if you're pushing <laughs> through, you can finish the whole thing collecting all the fruit in about 20. Yeah. Yeah, that's like about how long it took me to finish it, if I remember it. correctly. I didn't collect yeah. everything, but that's about how long it took me to finish the campaign. Um, and then the other thing, obviously, the Wii U had a touchscreen, and the Switch has a touchscreen, so I'm assuming that the controls are the same for both versions? Not really, actually. Oh. So there's... On the Wii U, there were three different types of controls. There was the Pro Controller, which is kind of like how the GameCube versions did it, but there's some minor changes where, like, instead of being able to move your control, move your Pikmin with the right stick, you char- have them charge. That's been tweaked slightly, as you don't need to have, in the Switch versions, you don't need to have them locked down to charge anymore, which is more okay. flexible. Uh-huh. And then better. in the, the Wii U version, they brought over the Wii Pointer controls from the Wii ports of the first two Pikmin games. Everyone really liked them, but I never really used them as much, since I mostly played on the gamepad in off-TV mode. But the, yeah, I've never yeah, played that game like, with motion controls, but it does seem like it would make sense because you can direct your Pikmin with the pointer. That seems like it'd be faster than using the analog stick, as long as it yeah, works okay. Yeah, obviously you can't do pure pointer controls in the Switch version, but there is is a way to use gyro with the controller to aim a little better. And typically that's it works pretty well. 
Um, yeah. I, I use the gyro controls uh, for Splatoon 2, and they work great. So. Yeah, and then in in the third the third thing in this in the Wii U version was that they patched in a way you could play it entirely with a touchscreen, which is strangely absent in the Switch version. Huh. That is weird. Yeah. Uh, because this touchscreen's better on Switch. So they, they should actually have more features uh, as far as the touchscreen is concerned on this new version. Um, did any of that drastically impact how the game plays for you? To make it better Not really. Worse? The main difference is that if you're playing it outside of handheld mode, like on the Wii U version, even if you're oh, using... How is it playing handheld mode? Can you can you play it? Can you, like, see what's going on still? Yeah, I played most of it in handheld oh, mode. okay. You can see it fine. All right. Then again, I also played the Wii U version off TV mode on the gamepad, so oh. that was fine. Mm -hmm. But as I was saying, the main difference is that if you're playing on the TV in the Wii U, you have to try to balance... The map is always on the gamepad, so even if you're playing with the remote and nunchuck, you have to still use the gamepad and manage all that. Right, and right. Yep, that's a yeah. good point. Um, so here the map is just relegated to a button press, and you can access it easily without having to manage multiple controllers. Okay, so we've been waiting a long time for Pikmin 4. Uh, the sales for this, this came out on Friday. Uh, the sales in the UK were not good at all, like really bad. Like it didn't even crack the top 10, and there weren't a ton yes, of big it releases. Did. It was to number compete. seven. Oh, I, I thought it didn't make the top 10. Okay, uh, so it finished number seven. Um, did you still enjoy playing this game all these years later? Does it hold up? And do you think, yeah, it's still would you fun. recommend that people buy it? If you've never played the Wii U version, then definitely. There's a bunch of content here. It also includes the DLC mission mode packs that were added uh -huh. later to the Wii U version. So you get like a decent sized campaign, a bunch of mission modes you can do, the multiplayer, which you can play if we can ever see anyone again, and then the new prologue and epilogue modes. Yep. And how much is this selling for, actually? 60 bucks. Oh, so it's a full-priced game. But you'd be okay yeah. with paying that? Yeah. Wow. Definitely. Okay. Do you, what, what do you think the prospects are for Pikmin 4? Because after seeing kind of those early sales in the UK, I'm a little nervous that this may, may have been sort of a testing ground for Nintendo to see if people still cared about Pikmin, and it appears that maybe they don't. How do you feel? I'm worried, but hopefully yeah. it's just that that UK chart was only physical and That's all true. the physical things are down. Yeah, everyone's staying at home right now. That make, that totally makes sense. And I'll just say this. Yeah. I love Pikmin. Um, I have loved all three games for kind of different reasons, and I, I hope it, it continues to exist. And if you look ahead at the release calendar for Switch, that could be a real nice hole filler for Nintendo. And, we you know, we've heard all these rumors about how it's basically finished and blah, blah, blah. So... I'm hoping this doesn't pour cold water on Pikmin 4 because I really want to see it and I really love this franchise. And hopefully you guys will go out and pick this up on Vincent's recommendation uh, to support the franchise to ensure that we get Pikmin 4. Any last words, Vincent? Just that I'm surprised that, like, even if you... Like, the epilogue is surprisingly good. Like, it, it has some new ideas, new types of goals. I mean, when I played the prologue and it just was this basically just mission mode but with a different skin i was a little disappointed but from i haven't even finished the epilogue yet and i'm still more interested in it good yeah all right so there you go that's pikmin 3 deluxe on switch 60 bucks and vincent says give it a go All right, a big thanks for vincent taking the time to talk with us about pikmin 3 deluxe matt 
Pikmin 3 Deluxe did not sell well. Um, and I asked Vincent about this as well. It did not sell well in the UK at all. Um, I didn't even realize it came out. Yeah, it came out this past Friday. Do you think that might be the end of uh, the Pikmin franchise? you think it can... Unless Pikmin 4 is really done somewhere, like the rumors yeah. have said for so long. I mean, didn't Miyamoto say that Pikmin, was basically, Pikmin 4 yeah. was basically done? Yeah, he's on the record saying it was basically done. So I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> uh, one thing I should bring up, though, a lot of you guys have... I saw a lot of people in chat saying that uh, they had never played Pikmin before in their lives. Uh, and that's why we're here, and that's why we did the segment on Pikmin 3. But most importantly, there's a demo right now for Pikmin 3, a free demo, uh, available on the eShop. So if you want to check it out to see if you like it, and it is a little bit of an acquired taste. Uh, so if you want to check it out and see if it's for you before you plunk down your money, uh, you can go download the demo, and off you go. All right, next up... Matt and I are going to give our recommendations for Generation 9. You could call this like the Gen 9 Buyer's Guide. Um, you can call it the Ultimate Generation 9 Preview, what, whatever you want to call it. Matt and I are basically going to recommend what things you should buy when you pick up your consoles, and then ultimately, which consoles you should buy as well. Um, we've talked about these consoles for months and months now. I would like to think Matt and I are pretty well-versed on them at this point, and so I would hope that you would um, feel like whatever recommendation that we give you guys at least has a little bit of weight. We're just trying to help however we can. Um, and so first, we're going to talk about the PlayStation 5 hardware, um, and we're going to recommend which version of the PlayStation 5 you should get. Um, and both Matt and I agree that you should buy the PlayStation 5 disc version the more expensive version of the PlayStation 5. Matt, what do you think is the strongest argument for someone picking up the uh, more expensive one? Um, I mean, overall, I mean, the reason I'm getting is because I want the Blu-ray playback, and Sony does amazing Blu-ray play playback and has for the last two systems, and I don't think this is one's going to be any different. Um, my, uh, But in terms of more, like a more general sense for like uh, kind of general user friendliness or user advantage, I think... You just run, you still run into physical copy sales and deep discounts periodically enough that I feel like you want the option to get that cheap bargain bin game at some point and bring it home and stick it and slap it in the system. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and of course, there's also like if you if you don't know if you're not sure about a game, the new game that you want to play at launch or full price, you know, you always pay full price for a physical copy and then sell it back and not you know lose you know maybe you get 10 bucks less but you 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 know it's like a rental you know yeah you didn't lose too much money on that um especially with the game prices apparently going up to 70 yeah. uh that i think that's even more, more relevant than yeah yeah i just think you're future proofing yourself yeah i think i mean you're spending 100 bucks more but i think you are in the long run probably going to have uh it's probably going to save you more money than it costs you in the in the long run would be my guess Yep, and I know a lot of people on Sifted and probably a lot of gamers in general are big into films. And so if you mm. are and you want to have one of the best 4K Blu-ray players on the market, that extra 100 bucks is nothing. I don't know if you guys have looked at, even now, still Blu-ray players of that quality are pretty expensive. Yeah, I definitely expect this to become my new Ultra HD disc player which go to yeah which i still have you know i still get all the marvel movies in in ultra hd and uh well not star wars as much anymore because solo and rise of skywalker are garbage but like um i if, I, if i'm gonna buy uh something i really like a new movie or whatever which i don't all that often streaming movies is usually pretty good good enough for me but like um if i am gonna buy 
uh, a new movie, I'm going to get the Ultra HD version, and uh, the PlayStation 5 is probably going to be where I play them now. Yep. And as Matt mentioned, just being able to not even just take games back and get some money towards your next game, being able to share games with your friends, uh, with relatives, being able to take games from one console to another. There are other advantages to having a disk drive that both Matt and I believe make it well worth the extra hundred bucks to plunk down for the disk-based version. And then Hail to Starscream in chat makes a really good point, which is you can't really buy the digital edition anyway. They haven't made that many pre-orders yeah. for those were gone and like that. So was, there really were like room those. Good luck. There were people like insiders saying that like 10% of the PS5s manufactured are the digital version. It's a, it's a definite rarity. And then Cheap Ass Gamer said that only like 1% of his sales were for yeah. the digital version. So it seems like most people are buying the disc-based version of PlayStation 5. Yeah. And it seems like you don't have a choice because they're making more disc versions. Yep. So I think you're, you know, as the generation moves along and maybe demographic shift, you might see the digital version get more manufacturing time. But I, like, I would guarantee it, Matt. I think yeah. within two years, they will be producing more of the digital edition than the disc-based version. That seems pretty likely. That's my guess. Um, next, we want to recommend games for you guys because, I mean, I know a lot of people are saying these launch lineups suck, there's no games. There are a lot. There are like 30 or 40 games that are coming out on launch day or within a couple of days of both consoles. And so Matt and I, to make it easy, we wanted to recommend three games that you should keep your eye on when you go to buy your new console. Uh, obviously, we're going to start with PlayStation 5. Matt, what are the games that you recommend that people pick up? Um, I would recommend Miles Morales, Demon Souls, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Okay. Do you um, want to explain why you made those choices? Uh, well, Spider-Man uh, is Spider-Man, uh, and the original was amazing. Hey. Spectacular, you could say. Um, and uh, Miles Morales <laughs> looks just as good, if not better. Um, uh, so what about I, people that own a PS4, though? And they're like, but I can play it on my PS4 Pro or whatever. Don't look like that. Yep. Um, <laughs> it definitely doesn't. So, you know, and there's an element. I mean, and, you know, the only game on my list that you can only play on PS5 is Demon's Souls. Yeah. Um, now, do you feel okay recommending that to everyone? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll look, get to mine in a second. And I'll just I mean, look, spoiler, like, I did not include Demon's Souls on my I list. didn't expect you to, but uh, I do think Demon's Souls, I mean, look, Demon's, the Souls games maybe are not for everyone, but they are also not impossible. They're not, you know, the, the difficulty thing is 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 overblown. I, and, I I, that. and I believe that, um, I mean, we don't know a whole ton of like how this, this thing works, but I would guess that um, it was a lot of people's first Souls game. Mm -hmm. And it can work as a gateway. It's a little easier to manage because it doesn't have the giant Metroid style Open level world, design. It's hub driven. It's hub based. Uh, so you can kind of, you know, everything's broken down into sort of discrete levels. So you sort of manage them. That helps. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's a good learning plan. Also, it just look at, I don't know if there's going to be another game at launch that really makes you look at, look at it and say like, wow, I got a PS five. Like, look at that thing. Like it's, like it's just amazing looking. Like even if I didn't like Demon Souls, I would probably still get Demon Souls because I just want to see this thing in action. Um, I will say it is probably no Spider Man will probably be the graphical showcase at launch still. I think that'll that'll be the graphical showcase and sort of the the big tricks. You know, it's Insomniac, all the all yeah. the smashing through particle effects and pulling buildings down. I mean, that, that all looks amazing. But this like the just Demon Souls and part of it is because I remember what it looked like on the PS3, obviously, yeah. and seeing the seeing the things I remember from the PS3 rendered like this is just like what the hell 
Um, but this is really impressive. Like, uh, it's, you know, maybe we'll never get it again. Like, you know, maybe they won't, you know, put this kind of effort into another Souls game. I mean, God knows what Elden, was it Elden Ring? Yeah, was, which is alive, by the way. Yeah, they did, they did say, like, hey. came out this week and was like, we're still hey, here. We're still here. <laughs> and look, uh, the part of the problem with, like, launch, launch titles tends to be, like, they're simple or they're shallow or you don't play them very long. Uh, Demon Souls keep you busy a while. Like, yeah. You get your money's worth on this one. Yeah, yeah. Some people may not like how they're getting their money's worth, but yeah. they'll definitely get it. Um, so I picked... And Assassin's Creed is because it's the only other thing coming out that week that I think is looking like a really good game. Yeah. Um, well, I'm playing that right now, but I can't e say anything about it. <laughs> uh, the embargo for that is up on Monday, by the way, for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. We can put up some gameplay on Friday... And then reviews are on Monday. So I'm thinking about getting something together for you guys for Embargo Break. Stay tuned. Um, in my games, I chose two of the same games that Matt did. I just think that you can't really go wrong uh, with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You can't go wrong with Spider-Man. I did swap out Demon Souls. Uh, I do hear you, Matt. I do think for people who may not even like the game, they may like just looking at the game and having the game to show it to people. But I do think there will be a pretty big segment of people who buy PlayStation 5s at launch who buy that game and go home and are like, what the hell have I done? Well, and that's so, why it's important to get the disc version. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. Oh, we definitely recommend getting the disc version of Demon's Souls for sure in case you don't like it. Um, so instead, I, I presented something. I don't think this game is going to be better than Demon's Souls. But I do think it might appeal to a different group of people who may not like Demon's Souls, and that is Bug Snacks. Um, the game that we Which didn't even free. know what it was for the first like month that we knew about it. Um, but as it turns out, it's basically a Pokemon Snap clone. Uh, this, also, it's free. You yeah, you'll get it for free. Yeah. If you download it before when? I don't know. There's I don't know like if I will. Off. I think it's February 1st yeah, or something, something like that. Like that. I it's probably like about when they're going to turn over and start offering uh, Destruction All-Stars as the free game. <laughs> you know, you're right. I think you're right, actually. Yeah. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to take Bug Snacks off the freebies list, and they're going to just then create a new freebie for the new game. So I, Bug Snacks is a, a lot of people have kids, and they're going to bring this new console home, and they may have to convince the wife that it was a good idea to buy it. And if you come home and it's just Demon Souls, and well, kids probably would like Spider-Man. You bring it home and it's all demon souls all the time. You may get a get a cocked eye from the wife or the girlfriend. Um, I so think we, this would get me more of a cocked eye. From oh, really? Most people. Yeah. <laughs> this is this. this I, I hate this game. I don't know if I hate the game, but I hate looking at it. I, don't I do like not like the other. art style of this game at all. But it sounds to me, it seems like a very unique experience in a sea of games that all feel very similar. Um, like, why really would you want to replace your hand with strawberries? Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Matt, Matt the, the fact that you're trying to make sense out of a game like Bug Snacks is very adorable. <laughs> but, like, it's also, it's free, so I, don't, I, I didn't occur to me, even if I liked it, I don't think it would occur to me to recommend it. Because at that point, it was like, play Astrobot. Because yeah. apparently the Astrobot thing it comes with, the system comes with, is really good. Yeah, it's also bigger than people anticipate. Yeah, and, like, Patrick Klepek spent, like, 20 minutes just playing with the zipper in that it's because apparently the there's a zipper in it you can zip and unzip using the dual sense and apparently it's just like amazing haptic feedback it feels just it like feels unzipping so real. something and i'm like all right astro is good for that stuff though yeah astro <laughs> astro is like their best demo like uh, franchise at this point it's like if you want to sell me a new gimmick 
Astrobot is apparently the gateway drug. So Hail to Starscream is saying, and he's been great this episode. Thanks for putting all the notes in chat. He is saying that it's just a PlayStation Plus game for November. And okay. after that, it's not free anymore. So if you end up picking one up in December, um, Bug Snacks might be a game worth checking out. As Matt says, it is weird, but that's why I'm recommending it because it's Do not, we know the price on it? Bald that, Space Marine shooter. Do we, do we know the price on Bug Snacks? Is it $70? There's no way it's $70. My guess is it's like 30 or 40. You'd think, but <laughs> go to GameStop real quick and see what it says. If it says $70, I will take it off the list immediately. People are making fun of your uh, playing with a zipper comment, Matt. Yeah, I expect that. Go bug, go bug Klepik about it. He's the one who did it. <laughs> These are just tech demos, people. It's getting excited about the tech, not the actual thing. Um, so anyway, you can check on Bug Snacks. My guess is it's like 30 bucks. And if it is, then I do recommend it for something to check out at launch. If it's more than that, then I strike it from the list immediately. Um, and then finally... Uh, we come to peripherals. Matt, what, if any, PlayStation 5 peripherals do you think people should pick up? Or did you pick up an extra DualSense? I have not. Um, I did only because I had to because of one of the bundles I got. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I would not have otherwise. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, like if I do want someone to play with me, then I'm probably going to need one. So maybe my mm. plan is to ask for an extra DualSense for... Christmas from the fam. <laughs> yeah. That's what I typically do for Christmas. Stuff that I don't want to buy. Vincent uh, says Bug Snacks is 25. So that's right in the wheelhouse. Right. I'm totally cool with that price. And 24 on PC. Thanks, guys. Um, so anyway, bugs, it looks like Bug Snacks falls in that wheelhouse. So I, I will leave it on my list for now. Um, so I'm going to look, get, look at it, get a dual sense. But as far as the other stuff, what about like a, an extra like SSD drive, an expansion drive. Well, I don't think we, I don't, I don't feel like we know enough about which drives to get for that yet. Cause Sony was basically saying that, I mean, Sony was basically saying they were going to put out a list. There of, are, I don't think the like drives that are fast right now that are saying that they're, they're saying, but Sony hasn't come back and said, yeah, these will work. They haven't um, given the stamp of approval for them. Yet. Yeah. So, and like the, the, you know, the, there's no drives uh, until maybe this month, I think, that are fast enough that meet the profile of what PS5 can do. And quite frankly, I don't think I'm going to fill that hard drive up, you know, in the first two months. So I am not worrying about that yet. I think it's also. I'm going to wait until today. we see some. Look, look I'm going to. I don't. I hate to be a broken record about it. I'm going to wait until Digital Foundry does some tests with those things and yeah. see what they turn out to be. I mean, on the back of Digital Foundry's testing, I am getting. A um, one of the one of the one Samsung. of those little plug-in drives for I'm getting Series one of the X. Samsung the 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 SSDs with that little connector they have. I mean, and I'm going like to use that for the Marvel man. It's I'm going to use really that for the backwards amazing. compatibility stuff, uh, yeah. and I'll install the Series X stuff on the internal, and I'll put the backwards compatibility stuff on the external because according to Digital Foundry's tests, they're pretty that's pretty much just as good. Yeah. So yep. that's when I'm going to do that for the Xbox, but for for the PlayStation Five, I feel like we're still in too much uncharted waters on that. Yep. I'm going to I'm going to wait and see what Sony says about what works and what doesn't. Yep, and you don't really need the new PlayStation camera at launch either. No. Uh, PlayStation VR is not coming in even 2021, so you're not going to need it for that. Um, and if you use it to stream or whatever, your old camera will work just fine. So definitely steer away from that. I'm not buying the headphones or anything like that. I. 
Is there a reason why you would buy like Sony branded headphones over something else? Now I know that they're going to be designed to take advantage of the new audio stuff that they have, but there are mm. tons of headsets that take advantage of that. I don't know. Stuff. The only thing I can think is like um, aesthetic, like because it matches the PS5's the design, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think there are headphones in the bundle I have. No, oh, because well, you're it, gonna find out, then, aren't you? <laughs> I get. I mean, I don't know. I got my the bundle. I got is stupid. It's like the it's it's all I, of it. I was really hoping another round of pre-orders would hit so that I could just get a plain system without the bundle. Yeah. Um. But it did. You know, it didn't. Not um, yet. I mean, there's still time. Not really. There's a week, <laughs> week and two days for PS5 still. Yeah, but I'm not gonna trust a pre-order I make in the next five days to get yeah. here by Thursday. Like a lot of people are gonna have to, unfortunately. Yeah, but like. It's just it's just sort of how it is, and I you know that bundle isn't even supposed to ship until um, uh, it's not even supposed to ship until I think after um, the twelfth. So you just sort of dealing with. So yeah, uh, okay, it doesn't have a doesn't have a uh, headphones with it. It comes the bundle is the system, an extra controller, a year of PlayStation Plus, uh, Miles Morales, and Destruction All Stars. Um, so we'll, we'll see what that turns out to be. Um, but otherwise, really, there's no must-have peripherals other than trying to get a hold of the PlayStation VR adapter. I'm not sure, but yeah. there could be a, a window for that where if you don't request it before a certain amount of time, you're not going to get one at all. Uh, so you might want to jump on that quickly. And again, that story is on Sifty. You can find it easily using our awesome search. Uh, but otherwise, there's really nothing that you need to pick up peripheral-wise for PlayStation 5 at launch unless you want an extra yeah. controller. Or like I guess like a charging dock. If you want that for your controllers. Yeah, because I guess, yeah, the one I have for PS4 is not going to work anymore. And no. I will say this, I love my PS4 charging dock. I love having a charging dock. So that actually might be something that I get just because I want it, but people certainly mm. don't need it. For my for my PS4, I, I always just have my PS4 controller plugged into my laptop. Uh, that works I just, I just play it like that. It. Now, the, yep. the result of that is that the PS4 controller can't hold a charge anymore. Cause really? Because it's, it's always plugged it's in. It's just always plugged in and charging, so I've worn the battery down over yeah, the years. Yeah, it kills it. But, yeah, it uh, it's okay. I do that with my Apple Watch. I leave it plugged in all the time. I wonder if that's bad. Probably. Um, so anyway, no big peripherals for a PlayStation 5. If you want a DualSense, get it. Um, I'm probably going to ask for one for Christmas. Uh, JM Rain, thank you for making it rain again, man. I saw that you dropped a bunch of, looks like a bunch of subs and bits into the chat again. Thank you, man. Um, as you say, Shane, can I send you a spare? I don't know what you're talking about there. But thank you for the bits and the subs, man. You're awesome every single week. Uh, okay, it's time to shift to the Xbox Series X, where we're going to make the same exact recommendations we just did for the PlayStation 5. Uh, we're going to kick things off with the hardware, as far as which version of Xbox Series you should buy. Matt, Matt which one do you think people should buy? The Series um, X or the S? I think if you're going to do this, I think Series X. Um, when you say I, if you're going to do this, what do you If mean? you're going to own an Xbox okay. this generation, I think you got to get a Series X because I do not see the point of the S. Okay. Um, it's too underpowered. It doesn't have a disc slot. Um, it, it, I feel like you're just going to end up with a slightly better Xbox One X with the S. And I don't know what you're using it for at that point. Because even if you just want Xbox exclusives, whatever those end up being... Um, I feel like they're not going to run to, I feel like you're going to be in a situation like you were with watchdogs capturing on the Xbox <laughs> one vanilla here. I, feel, I think that's what you're going to end up. Well, with it, look, it is like seven years later. Like truth be told, I probably should have upgraded my Xbox by now. But the reason I haven't is because there's been nothing to play on right. it. 
If I mean, there I were exclusive mine... games coming that I really cared about, I would have absolutely got the the One X. Why did I? I upgraded mine because I wanted the uh, the Ultra for the Ultra Play, oh, 4K Play Brad. Yeah, yeah, Pet, I totally Play understand Day. it. Yeah, I, um, I didn't have a 4K TV, so there's no need yeah, for me. And I wasn't. I did not anticipate it becoming my main multi-platform console, but it did. Like I hadn't touched an Xbox One controller in probably a year when I got the Xbox One X, but now it's the thing I play the most. Uh, because it runs the games better. The third-party stuff. You know, that's all it is. Yep. Um, I will always go back to Sony for its exclusives. Like, you know, obviously, the, this, you know, if I was going to tell someone which system to buy, you know, imagine there's no next-gen consoles coming, and someone said, which one do I get? PlayStation, because it's got the, got the exclusives. And the slight hit in performance is worth having those other Sony games, Yeah. Um, in my opinion. But... Um, because I have both, I have a choice, and that's great. So that is probably what's going to, you know, theoretically going to end up happening with the Series X for me is um, the Series X will kind of be where my multi-platform gaming goes unless this, the PS5 turns out to be way more of a power powerhouse in terms of optimization for third parties than we think it will be, um, which is possible. Uh, but my actual opinion is that um, you probably shouldn't buy an Xbox yet. Like, Interesting. I, I think you should wait until you see what their exclusive lineup is going to be more concrete. And when it's going to come. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to, I think you have, unless for whatever reason you just want to play Xbox stuff, you want to be an Xbox person and not a PlayStation person, or you want both of them. Um, I don't think there's a reason to buy an Xbox yet. Not for Big years. Words. Bold words. Um, so now it's my turn to recommend which version of Xbox you should get. And I'm, I'm going to hedge a little bit. So I'm going to say, if you are buying Xbox as your primary console, and if you're someone who's only going to be able to buy one of these, which I suspect a lot of people are in that boat, mm -hmm. and you're going to have to choose. And so if you're in that boat and you have to choose uh, between an Xbox Series or a PlayStation 5, I say get the Xbox Series X. Get the more expensive Xbox. If it's going to be your, your sole console, what's going to happen right out of the gate is you're going to start buying all your third-party stuff for it. Uh, so you're always going to want to have the most powerful console possible to run the bulk of your library. Now, let's say you're like Matt and I, and you're going to end up with both consoles, and you're getting them both at launch or you're planning on getting both at launch then i would say i would buy the xbox series s because it one it's way cheaper so the investment is far less you have more money to spend on games two it plays into what matt said there aren't going to be a ton of big exclusives right out of the gate the few that are coming you're probably going to be perfectly happy playing on the series s now two three years from now when the big exclusives start coming out, which is when I suspect most of them will start coming out, my guess is the Series X is going to drop in price and there may be already some other mid-cycle thing on the way being talked about, the, uh, some next upgrade. And so chances are you'll probably be able to buy the more powerful one for a cheaper price. So that's what I would do. If you, if you're, if you know you're going to buy a PS5, but you still want to be able to play those Xbox exclusives, I say buy the Series S. I... I really think that the majority, not the vast majority, but the majority of people will struggle to see the difference between Xbox Series X and S Xbox Series S. I really do. Um, I don't think I, our audience will, though. 
No, especially now that we're finding out that ray tracing is going to be like this rare bird that only appears in a few games. If it was, I don't think we're finding that out. I think you're really overstating the ray tracing problem. Like it's it's not going to be like that. It really won't. Okay. Well, it's that just going to be a performance. I still hit. recommend for people who buy a PlayStation Five that to buy a Series S instead of a Series X. And I will say, if you bought a PlayStation Five, do not buy a, an Xbox at all. Well, you said that. Period. Don't buy. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean, I think the PS5 is the choice here, but I really would adamantly say, do not buy a Series S. I think the Series S is a complete dead end. Um, I I do not understand why this. I mean, it's an underpowered, not cheaper, cheap enough to justify the underpoweredness. It has no disc slot, so you're stuck buying digital games, so you can never like hedge your bet on the on the you know the return. But you're but look, Matt. I'm saying this is your second console. You're not worried. You're building your library. Well, then what do you have? That was a big part of my right. But but when you but when you say that, I I don't understand what you what it's for. Then there are no Xbox to play the exclusives. There are no exclusives. There's nothing. There will be. What? What do you mean? What you just said? Wait, like in two, three years when the ex, when when the other stuff from the yeah, no, no, all no. Really There's going to be smaller exclusives that are going to be coming out before we get the big stuff like Avowed and Elder Scrolls and Starfield. Oh, Avowed is years and years. Avowed right. is right in that space where you're talking about actually look at whether there's a new upgrade or or price drop on the Series X right there. No, no. My point so is, wait. is that there. No, Matt, you're not listening to me, bro. My point is there are going to be other games. There's going to be an exclusive release like in February and another one next November and another one in December and another one in the next February and another one that is just going to happen, Matt. They have to release games or they have no Right, but platform. I'm saying... And so I'm telling like, you, those are going to be the smaller exclusives and I'm totally fine playing them on Series S. If well, I want to play Obsidian's next Grounded, I really don't need a Series X to play that. I'm not going to really lose anything. But that's kind now, of what I'm saying is... We don't know what those exclusives are, so why buy a console for something you don't know? I yet? think we can assume that they're going to be smaller games. Period. Right, but they're, I'm saying like, how do you know you even I'm not care, about care that them? much about playing those with ray tracing? That's, I'm just not. Okay, let me finish my sentence. How do you know if these games we don't? They're not announced yet. We don't know what they are. Why would you spend three hundred dollars in a system to maybe play an exclusive you don't know if you want to play yet? Because they've already decided they want to buy the Xbox, Matt. That's not part of the debate. I started this conversation by you've decided that PlayStation 5 is your main console and you also want to buy an Xbox. The decision's right. already been made. But if that's your decision, why do you need the Xbox now? That's what I'm saying. My, my recommendation is so You're asking the people who have decided, you're basically just saying, why would anyone in their right mind get an Xbox at launch? If you already <laughs> have basically a PS, what you're saying. If you already have a PS, I mean, I'm not saying that exactly because I am getting an Xbox at launch. So, of course, <laughs> there you go. And the argument could be made that I am not in my right mind for doing that. Yes. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is like, if you're going to buy a PS5, like your 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 point that like what you're gonna buy, you're gonna buy multi platform stuff early on on whatever system you buy first, which in this case would be the PS5. Yes, obviously. Do I think that the the performance differential is going to be that pronounced? Does it matter, especially if you're going to buy another another system like two years down the line to play Avowed or or Starfield or whatever? Probably not. Like you, we don't, we don't. I mean, maybe maybe other people do, but we don't. You and I don't go back to non favorite games too often. Yeah. Um. So what I'm saying is, you're going to buy a PS5 now. Um. And I don't see the reason to also spend the money on an Xbox, even a Series S right now, before you see what these other smaller. I mean, obviously there's Halo Infinite. Yeah. Um, which who knows which, when that, who you know, knows? We're, I think we're assuming <laughs> mid next year for that, or maybe late next year. Like who knows? Yeah, we're, I mean, didn't knows? they lose another person again? Yeah. We're going to, we're um, going to talk about that in the, uh, the like, Xbox section. 
it's just it's you know i'm sure down the line somewhere there's going to be xbox you know hellblade 2 i definitely want to play that we don't know when that's coming next year sometime they said uh obviously whatever obsidian's got in the pipeline besides even besides avowed uh bethesda one day <laughs> yeah the, but i mean the, look you can count like halo in, in hell and sure. hell and I'm okay playing those on the S. I just am. They're really last-gen games that were kind of bridge games between... Hellblade 2 is not. Hellblade 2 is definitely not that. I have a feeling Hellblade was originally in development for last-gen. No, it wasn't. It was, it was always you in development. you know insider information... always in development for, for Unreal 5. I'm just saying, my experience in the industry, I would be really it was, surprised. Hel- Hellblade 2 was always in development for Unreal 5. And yeah. I don't think Unreal 5 works on current-gen. If, unless I'm very mistaken, I, I don't I think Unreal Five does either, that. Actually, yeah. Um, other stuff, probably. I mean, I'm sure whatever you know, if, if there are these you know ghost exclusives that they haven't announced yet coming up, or uh, I'm sure some of them are just next uh, the current gen things that now. I mean, that's what smart delivery is for, right? Yeah. Like yeah. to to make those current gen projects look like Shiny. they belong on next gen. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you can also play those on PC. So it's 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 a hard recommendation to make, I think, right now, until okay. they really have a silver bullet of a game, which I just don't think is going to be Halo Infinite. Okay, hope well, we're here, wrong. Here's what's here's what's really telling. Um, so just like with PlayStation, now Matt and I will recommend games that you should pick up at the launch of Xbox Series, and Matt was unable to come up with any games, <laughs> and so nope. he said. I guess Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have a PS5, Assassin's Creed is is the game there. Uh, and then my only other thoughts were like last gen games that will run better on the new system. Like, like I and, yeah. even, and it was even in. I mean, I didn't write this blurb on Sifted, but one of the one of the stories about I don't, I don't know if you did or Vincent did, but it was about Master Chief Collection on the Xbox One and it just Xbox Series X or Xbox Next Gen, and it described this Master Chief Collection as, be, as slowly turning out to be the flagship <laughs> title for- of the new system. And people are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's true. It that's is. Absolutely yeah. true. <laughs> it is. It's, it's the best the value for the money. Game. It's the best games probably that are, you can only play on that platform. Um, it's got the most robust online support of anything on the Xbox new system. I mean, it's, yeah, like <laughs> I'm going to install it and play that's it. That's where I, we're I, at. But I will too, yeah. because I love the games and I'd love to yeah. see them. And, they're, and apparently they're going to look really good and run really well, and it's going to it's going to be great. But, but you uh, know what, Matt? Ray tracing still dicey on no those ray things. tracing in there. That's yeah. crazy. That's what I'm saying. Like that actually is what made me bring that topic into the show. Was seeing that the Master Chief Collection, they were like, I don't know if we can make it work. I was like, What are you talking about? Is the Master Chief Collection? That's well, I think the problem the alarm is that, bells went off. I well, was again, like, Holy crap! I, part of that I think is that again, you have to build that in from the beginning. Yeah. Like, just, that game you can't just so slap ray ago. tracing in something that already yeah. exists and call it a day. Like, that's it's not a like lot a paintbrush. You just slap. And, it they, the and they already spent four years getting that collection into shape. You know, yeah. making it work, which properly. is also insane. I would add. At a certain point, you just have to stop <laughs> throwing money down the Master Chief hole. <laughs> That's you can start making sticker. jokes about that right alongside the zipper thing. <laughs> there you go. That's a gift. To you. Uh, so anyway, Matt recommended Valhalla and uh, Master Chief Collection. Master Chief Collection, and probably for I bet Forza Horizon Four will look real nice. Those it are probably my, those will because picks. it looks great already. Yeah. Um, I did pull out a couple extra picks, so I also picked Valhalla, um, and again, I'm playing that right now. So take that for what you will. Um, and then my other two picks were the first one was Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, 
with these picks, I'm tr- again, I'm trying to provide variety for people. Right. I don't feel like when people get a new console, they just want to keep playing bald space marines massacring aliens. I feel like they want to see their console perform with different art styles, different aesthetics, different genres. And you may be saying, well, Yakuza is an open world action. It's not. Yakuza Like a Dragon is a turn-based RPG. Uh, the reviews just started going up today. There's a bunch curated on Sifted if you want to check it out after the show is over. Uh, the reviews have been pretty good. They've not been stellar. Uh, the most common criticism of it so far in the reviews has been that the turn-based combat gets repetitive. Well, it's a turn-based yeah, RPG. Turn-based combat. And yeah. that happens in every turn-based RPG. So if you like that genre, I would. it's a pretty safe bet that you can pick up like a dragon yeah. and you're going to like it. And then my second pick at launch is Gears Tactics, a turn-based strategy game, uh, XCOM set in the Gears of War universe. Um, we already played and evaluated the PC version here on Game Face, and I liked it a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. Still stuck on the last boss. Uh, but it's a really, really good turn-based strategy game. It's also a little exclusive. It's only available on PC. You'll feel a little late if you're playing that on your Series X, because the other part, too, is that it, it won't come out until launch day on Xbox. So... It is kind of a launch game for consoles. Again, it's it's been available for PC for months now. But it's I really enjoyed pass, it. It's right? really good. And again, it's a different kind of game. But it's Gears. So you're still going to be able to see Gears in 4K glory. But it's a genre that isn't like the other games that you've picked up. So those are my three recommendations. Concurring with Matt that it is hard to find games to recommend for people at the launch of Xbox Series, although maybe the best recommendation, Matt, is buy Game Pass. Yeah, I mean, Gears would be Game, Game Pass. Pass. Yeah, and uh, I and the thing, I mean, some people are probably like, "What the hell?" Why, Shane's recommending Yakuza, and Matt's the not, you know, Matt's the yeah. Yakuza freak. <laughs> yeah. um, my thing on Like a Dragon is I'm waiting for the PlayStation Five version. Okay. Um, because not and because it is, is multi platform. We should add yeah, that. Yeah. Not, well, but only on PS4. Like the PS5 mm-hmm. version of Like a Dragon. I mean, PS4 version will work on PS5, but the PS5 specific version of Like a Dragon didn't come out till March. Yeah. Um, and I am basically look. I'm way behind in the in the Yakuza stuff. I haven't finished the other the Kiwami games. I'm yeah. I, I, there's just been no time to dive well, for fully into that. Yeah, exactly. As well, they're a big. Commitment. So yeah, I think Like a Dragon's an absolutely rock solid recommendation for Xbox Series Series whatever. I guess we're just calling it Xbox Series, series to refer. Yeah, it's called series. Xbox Series now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've just kind of stumbled into that during this yeah. episode. But I'm waiting for to see what the PS5 version looks like because I want the best version of it, and I'm going to wait and see what the how, how it works on PS5. And if it if it turns out it's better on Xbox, I'll get the Xbox version. I don't care what platform I play them on, but I do care about whether it's the best experience. Okay. So if I got to wait till March, that's fine. I might, I, I understand why people are mad that they have to wait for that comparison, but I am so not ready for an eighth Yakuza game. Like I'm not, <laughs> I, 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 I've got, there's, there's plenty of other things to do. They definitely blend together for me. Uh, the Yakuza. I think game. this one will stand out. I mean, this, this is one why, definitely, will. I think this is why it's a good recommendation also because it stands out even in, even in its own series. Yeah. Um, cause the other Yakuza games are also available largely except like the, the, the three to six collection is not on Xbox, but you can get zero Kiwami one and Kiwami two, which are the best games in the series anyway. Um, but and this it is sounds a very like all future thing. releases in the franchise. 
franchise are coming to the West. Yeah. Like, it's that. not like we're going to have to sit here and wonder. Like, Sega's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, from now on. And they're saying day and date as well yeah. with the new. And I'm very curious. I am actually very curious if the three to six collection might make it one day or three to, like, three to five collection. And then six was a standalone game on PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see if they make as the, especially three and four, three, four, and five were PS3 games. Mm-hmm. But if they ported them to th- PS4, Theoretically, you can put them anywhere now. Yeah. Um, Once you get nice there. See, nice to see that, that full series be available on everything, on, on Xbox, PS4, and uh, PC. Absolutely. Um, and so the final part of Xbox series discussion is any peripherals. I will say this. I definitely <laughs> am envious of people who have that little one terabyte SSD drive. That thing is literally like an engineering marvel um, that Pretty they neat. can fit a terabyte of space on that little thing that plugs into that slot on the back. I want one. Um, Now, one thing we forgot to mention during the PlayStation 5 section is that they announced also today that you have 650 gigs of usable space. Mm -hmm. So their OS doesn't take up as much as the Series X and S does. Um, But still, you're going to have way less hard drive space no matter what on PS5. So you're going to end up with like 800 gigs on Xbox Series X, uh, which means I'm not going to need that cool little expansion for quite a while, uh, but it's going to be calling to me until I need it. I mm-hmm. can pretty much guarantee that, but they're so freaking expensive. They're- yeah, I mean, I did buy the, I didn't get the little thing. I got the the more, kind of, it, was, you know, it looks like a more standard backup drive. It's a little, yeah. little rectangle, this, the mm-hmm. one that they were using on a digital foundry. Um, so I, I wanted a, a bigger one for that because that is about the size I use for um, for my Xbox One X. Okay. Um, and because it you know it runs just as well, it does, it does backwards compatibility stuff just as well. So I wanted to preserve the internal uh, hard drive for uh, you know uh, Xbox Series X specific things, and the the external drive will be for backwards compatibility. Um, and I'll make the PS5 decision later when Sony is a little more transparent about which new SSDs work for it. Because um, I do expect to actually fill the the PS5 up quicker because I think the exclusives are just going to roll in a little faster. And the hard drive um, smaller. Yeah, yep. you only get six hundred something likely. gigs. Yep. Uh, it's it's um it's a problem. Um, for that amount of money, it would it would have been nice to get them. But I know they said you know for whatever reason this eight hundred and whatever gigabyte drive is the perfect optimized size for uh for the the speed pipeline they i'm just like i'm assuming that's some kind of math thing i'm never gonna understand (laughs) but it still feels weird to me it does feel weird to me yeah there are certain if certainty says that i believe him but it's like mm. even at my age there are certain things that people can tell me that i still have no clue about they can just tell it to me and i have to just assume they're telling the truth and that's one of them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have hmm. no insight whatsoever on on that. But Matt, so we saw that like PlayStation has this whole suite of extra crap that matches the PlayStation 5 and we talked about it earlier. Xbox hasn't really done that. Is that a no. missed opportunity? I mean, they're licensing to third parties, but do you think Microsoft is kind of uh, leaving some some money on the table by not creating its own line of stuff like Sony does? I don't know. I really don't know. Um the only peripheral I would really want for the Xbox is I guess the elite controller, which I already have. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't have the series two elite. Maybe I'll get that eventually for it, but it's like, I don't know. Like it's, there's not, I mean, the, the, graciously the X- sifters got, and this is awesome. Sifters got me that the new Xbox 
Elite yeah, controller for Christmas, right? Yeah, and I so, hadn't ever really got to use it. I have been using it all this week to play Watch Dogs, and mm-hmm. so thank you guys. I'm finally getting to use it, and as soon as I get my Series X, I am ahead of the game. I already have the best possible controller uh, available for it because of you guys. So thank yeah. you. I mean, Microsoft never seems to have really have a whole lot of interest in the the peripheral game. Like, no, like they just don't. I don't look. Just about I've never anything really works on it. Also, know if Sony's really making a lot of money off of it, and it makes more know. sense for Sony because they're a consumer electronics company. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Sony can make all like that stuff that themselves. That's that is part of the yeah, that's part of the deal. Yeah. So maybe it's just a manufacturing thing, but there's really nothing like that for Xbox. You're gonna have to go to your third parties, and I know for a fact that like uh, like Astro, I use only Astro headsets. Um, Astro already has uh, and a pretty cheap version too. Uh, a new headset that works specifically with Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. I highly recommend Astro. They are a little more expensive, but like with most things in life, you you get what you pay for. I have a lot of, I mean, I I have an Astro uh, headset that I got at the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 review event, which was what? 11 years ago <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I still use it. Yeah, and it it's still sounds still great, I bet. Yeah. Yep. It does. It's they're great headsets, but again, you do pay a little more for them. So anyway, there are lots of options out there for Xbox, just no officially licensed ones. Uh maybe Microsoft gets into that a little later. I kind of doubt it. It's just not really in its wheelhouse. So there you go. Those are our two big previews, but there's one last thing that Matt and I have to do, and we're finally going to go on the record to recommend exactly what console everybody should buy for Generation 9. Uh, we've talked about these consoles for months. Uh, I think we know more about the consoles than probably we should. As far if you're, if you're on Sifted, the stuff that you know about PS5 and Xbox Series X will make any other gamer look like a fool. It's just the truth. And so we're armed with all the knowledge, and Matt and I are here to make our picks, and we have agreed that the PlayStation 5 disc version, if you're only going to buy one console, is the console to buy. Um, You can come at us, you can hate us for it, whatever, but we've been doing this a long time. We've seen a lot of console launches. Yeah, like Uh, if you're not interested in like the PS5, what the PS5 has to offer game-wise, I say don't buy either of them. Yeah. I'm literally there. Is that it's really hard to recommend buying an Xbox series right now. Yeah. Um, There's just not software available for it yet that's all that compelling. Like going back and playing your old games, that's great and all, but... That's not what I buy a new console for, man. It's just not. Uh, I want that day one Yahoo when you find, like, the first day I played Super Mario 64. Um, I want that. I want that feeling. I don't want to pull a bunch of old games out and be like, how does this one look? Right. I don't know. um, I don't know if you'll ever get the Super Mario 64 feeling again. That'll never happen again. Yeah, Yeah. I know that. Um, I thought maybe VR might do it, but it didn't. Um, Mm. So... I don't, you're right. Like until we have a real holodeck, it'll probably never yeah. happen. And I'll be dead long before that ever comes to pass. So I don't know about that. I mean, Kanye's already Kanye's already creating hologram Robert Kardashians over That's here. True. So um, <laughs> That's true. but I, my, I guess my I guess my concern would be like when the holodeck finally arrives, will we still be able to walk? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> we may not have legs. We'll, we may we'll all just ball. be in our wheelchairs. Yeah. And, uh, that's very nice. It's yeah, it's like, not that's that, well, also, it may not be that far-fetched as far as like just humans evolving because we're sitting right. so much in front of computer screens. Like Our legs may just disappear someday. We may all need chairs to get around. It's kind of crazy uh, to think you're about. Going full transhumanism there. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. There's our buyer, buying recommendation for Generation 9 out of the gate. Uh, We'll probably look back at this at the end of the year, and I think we'll have a better roadmap of what's going on with Xbox, not the end of this year, end of next year. 
And we'll have a better roadmap as far as what's going on with uh, Xbox Series, as far as what exclusives are coming and when. Uh, but for right now, I think both of us feel pretty confident that for the next year, the PlayStation 5 is probably going to be the better console to own. So it gets our recommendation. So congrats, Sony. You've done a good job. Uh, so is Xbox. I, I'm, I'm really encouraged by what I've seen from Xbox so far. Like I think I, Xbox is doing the best they can with what yeah, they have. Yeah, out of the gate last gen, I didn't think they had a chance. And this gen, yeah. I, I know they have a chance. And they so, definitely, I mean, the, the developers they've bought, obviously there's going to be lag time between you know the purchase and the output. But I mean, every, pretty much every developer they bought, I'm excited to play whatever they make next because of what they've made before. So I think they're all smart purchases. It's just going to take time for that fruit to bear. Yep. And look, this time next year, our tune could be completely different. We yeah, can know when. Really, you know, who knows? It could move fast. And like some of these smaller exclusives that I was talking about earlier on Xbox, like some of them could end up becoming amazing. Like who thought Fall Guys was going to be a big deal? Like you just never know. Mm. So. We're just talking right now. We'll see what happens in the coming months, but uh, I could Or Among Us, which for a time I yeah. confused with Fall Guys. <laughs> You're right. Characters look kind of similar. Yeah. Um, and so right now, I just think this is the best recommendation we can make to our audience as far as the best, smartest way to spend their money within seven days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, next, we're going to talk about toxicity. Gamer toxicity. The reason most of you guys never use headsets anymore. <laughs> and I will say this, when I was playing the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War beta for like three weekends straight or four weekends straight or whatever the heck it was, it seemed like it never ended. Um, there were many times where I was really angry that no one had headsets. Um, and it's not that that game is all that tactical, although some of the new modes are to be sure. Um, but there are just times where you just need someone to hear you say dudes in the bathroom or dudes by the spawn or whatever. There's it. They can chat can be an essential tool to being better at games. But I understand why people don't want to do it, because for the 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 bulk of the time that you spend playing games online, chances are you're listening to a, not exaggerating like a five year old playing a, an incredibly gory M-rated game, screaming expletives and racial slurs. And it's not, it's a stereotype because it's true. It, it does happen. And so I understand that a lot of people have kind of just turned their backs on in-game chat. Heck, the Switch doesn't even have it. Um, but Amazon hasn't given up. And so, oddly enough, Amazon filed a patent this week. And I guess it's for some kind of an algorithm or some kind of equation that will somehow identify toxic players and then put them all in servers together, which to me is just glorious. Like I cannot think of a better way to punish toxic gamers than to put them with nothing but other toxic gamers. Like that is a reality TV show that I might sit and watch, to be honest with you, Matt. <laughs> Could you imagine if you put all the worst people in one server, what do you think happens? Do you think... I mean, that's pretty much all reality shows, right? <laughs> but do you think it goes nuclear? Or do you think, because they're all terrible, that it's just like dead silent? I would guess it's just a bunch of screaming. You think it just goes nuclear? Yeah. Because there could be, because they're not getting... Because look, all these people want is a response. So if they're, I mean, I all, think they'd get a response. But if just, the other response is just someone else just also being 
the dipshit, does do they get what they want from that? And if yeah, they don't, I mean, do a, they just it, become silent? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a tension one way or the other. I mean, look, my strategy for that was to be a dipshit back. Oh, and it so that every once in a while, work. <laughs> every once in a while it did. Um, well, you're really smart, and I'm sure your comebacks like, probably blew them out. But somewhat, I mean, but we would basically, yeah, you remember, you remember Andrew, and I, like we would yeah. basically like. We would get a little weird and meta on them until they didn't uh, know what to make of us, and then uh, just leave. Like, just, that happened you, a lot. You played the weird card where people bit. can't figure you out. That'll make people well, shut the, up too. Well, the they thing was, like, our main thing was to like whatever <laughs> weird insults they were throwing at us. Like we would just sort of like follow that to the logical conclusion. And the other thing that used to shut them down, you know, they would call us like homophobic slurs, and we'd be like, like, yes, we are gay. Is that is that a bad thing? <laughs> is that a problem? And they'd be like, what? No, I mean, I don't care if you're gay. I'm like, well, then why are you calling me that? Because if you said, that's, but clearly it's bad if you were calling me that, right? He's like, well, no, that's not what I meant. You're like, you were literally dealing with people that were calling calling you like horrible names, but all they wanted to do was call you a bad thing, right? They didn't weren't thinking about the thing they were calling you. And they're like, no, I didn't mean to say gay people were bad, and it's like. Well, then why are you using that word to <laughs> insult people? And they're like, well, it's just because it's a bad thing. I'm like, yeah, but why is it bad? Like, and it would the get very trolling. Yeah. Just- like and a couple times we like made friends doing that. Oh, really? Every once in a while you can do <laughs> You're not so bad after all. Every once in a while you do that enough and you accidentally strike brain. Yeah. And uh, and it's and it's and I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's bad. And like they're like, I'm not going to call people that anymore. I'm going to call them assholes. Like that's good. <laughs> that's that's growth, right? The there. kill them with kindness doesn't always work. No, but it does work sometimes. Not anywhere. It really does. Like sometimes, if you're just like you don't play that game, it totally yeah. works. So, but this is an interesting tactic. I like this idea. Um, I'm very curious how the process works. I, I mean, guess a little bit of it is also reporting. holding up the mirror. You know, it's like showing them this is what you sound like to all the other people. Yeah. Do you think that might be effective in curbing some behavior? I don't know. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure how that would work. Um, it might. Like I think I because again, like everybody, you know, we do tend to lump the toxic people into sort of a big monolith of dipshits. But I do think that this this kind of behavior does tend to come down to the individual and why they are the way they are, or why they want what they want. And I don't think that's as universal a solution as just like everyone will react this way, everyone will react that way. Um, it will be a very specific reaction. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Like, I, I do hope they keep track of it and kind of like report on it because it's actually like a really interesting experiment. Oh my almost. God. The psychology angle on this is insane. Here, here's some, yeah, this is like some kind of weird next gen version of the Stanford <laughs> prison experiment. Kind and of it's like, Amazon. So <laughs> who knows? like it could literally be, maybe it's like a new, like Amazon prime yeah. show. Like, right. and, then, and then if you like, if you like are still a dick at the end of it, like you, your deliveries get slower. Matt, maybe they're going to try to steal it. Came from Xbox Live from the old school uh, X Play days. We were just talking about that on Facebook this week. Somebody, I saw somebody, a post. Somebody, yeah, posted, somebody posted it, uh, one of them. I just liked the post. I didn't like read any comments. I just comment. I commented that like you know, it was like fun, basically fun fact. The reason this didn't last very long was because the legal team was very nervous about putting people's voices on the air without a release signed. It which also I always, sucked doing the segment. Personally, yeah, it took a long time because I had to, get, to record hours and yeah. hours of between match banter to get like funny stuff yeah and between that and our legal department being like this is kind of dicey like i just wasn't worth doing like five episodes maybe total and the thing is i don't think it was particularly legally dicey because we didn't identify anyone by there's no there's no way to say or prove who was saying anything they were concerned that i they had no way of knowing whether i was asking for permission to record them 
which is a law in California. So mm. I guess Although I th- I mean, be, that are. would be an interesting because I know we we argued about that a bit with them. Where I'm like, where I was like, I think if you're there's an expectation of it because I think you are being recorded most of the time on uh, you know because then you get in like okay, well streamers do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting yeah. recorded. For those you don't know, it came from Xbox Live. I would just play games on Xbox Live and record people on live chat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a guy, Jason Chung, who we've talked about a ton on the show, he did a bunch of great stuff for Xplay. He would animate. We created like cartoon characters, and he would animate the characters acting out the stuff that I recorded from Xbox Live. It was a cool idea that was crazy production intensive and legal hated it. So it, it didn't last very long. Yeah. That was a problem with a lot of those segments was just like, this is really cool. Oh, it takes forever. It takes forever. Do. Or we're going to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> Here are some quotes from the patent to put it into context a little bit. Uh, the patent filing notes that traditional matchmaking systems often focus on grouping players based on skill level, but suggest there are other considerations to take into account. While players may enjoy competing with others of a similar skill level, such systems natively assume that skill is a primary or only factor to players' enjoyment. Contrary to this assumption, players' enjoyment may depend heavily based on behaviors of other players which they are paired, such as the proclivity of other players to use profanity or engage in other undesirable behaviors. Uh, Players who engage in such behaviors may be labeled, labeled as toxic by other players, one mechanism for dealing with such players is to isolate all toxic players into a separate player pool such that one toxic player is paired only with other toxic players. I don't know how you patent that. <laughs> it's the following suggests that allowing players to select preferences for what they do and what they do not find acceptable and grouping them together based on those affinities. Hmm. So it doesn't sound like it's technically anything. It sounds like it's an opt-in thing, which means it will never work. <laughs> yep. It'll never work. Opt-in is not be like I'm a jerk online. I want to play with other jerks. If you have to self-identify this stuff, it's not gonna. No, that's that's a that's a non-starter then. Yep. So it looks like they don't have some kind of cool tech that's gonna do it. And how do you patent that? Yeah. It's like patenting someone giving someone an option to do something. You can patent that. Okay. Um, That's weird. Yeah. So anyway, I think it's a great idea. I think it would honestly, if they created a system where people could work their way out of it by being good. Mm-hmm. I think it could actually be effective, but it's yeah, like if you marry system. that to like the skill matching system, yeah, like you got a skill matching system paired with a dickhead system, like I think <laughs> you've got a you got a thing there. <laughs> you could find the cross section of people yeah. that you actually want to play with. Um, but it sounds like they'd probably have to intrude on privacy to do a lot of this stuff, which is probably why uh, it's an opt-in system in the first place. But I will give Amazon credit; uh, they're trying to break into the games industry and doing a really poor job of it. Um, but they're not giving up and they continue to kind of poke into new corners of the industry and find at least unique ideas on how to do things. Uh, They may not work in practice and they may never even do them at all, but at least Amazon is trying to do things differently and make things better for players. So kudos to them for trying. I don't think it's going to work. And definitely if they follow the system that they've decided to follow, I don't think it's going to be effective at all. Um, So good luck. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Next up, our very last update on Xbox series. Um, And this section is really small uh, because we have run out of updates really for Xbox Series X or S. We have everything. The console literally launches in one week. Uh, But there were a couple tidbits this week that ended up being kind of big. And the first one is, and we mentioned this a little earlier, Halo Infinite just lost its director, Chris Lee. He has not actually left Microsoft. He is still at the company. He has stepped down from his role 
as director of Halo Infinite. Um, and here is his quote uh, on the day he announced that he was stepping aside. Uh, I have stepped back from Infinite and I am looking at future opportunities. I believe in the team and in con- and I'm confident they will deliver a great game. And now is a good time for me to step away. <laughs> <laughs> I am pulling the ejection handle, folks. No more for he me. He pulled the ripcord. He's like, I'm out of here. Dude, we just delayed the game. It's our flagship yeah. console launch game. We are under so much heat for everything that has happened. And now yeah. is a good time. It's, for all, it's all, all coming together. It's great. You're looking good. You're going to get there. It's going to be awesome, guys. I'm just going to be over here. Just, yeah, cue the just, Homer sinking into the yeah. edge gif. Not, not the most encouraging possible development for Halo Infinite. Uh, what is here. going on, Matt? Why are they struggling with this game? It's I don't know. Halo. And I got to wonder, like, okay, so is he stepping down? Are they replacing him? Is there a creative no. difference well, here? They did. Like- they did, actually. They brought in product managers who were just, like, straight oh. up, like, we need this project done on this date. Let's get it done. Like we, Okay, so, when- mar- so marketing is running the show now, basically. Right. So, like, when we were redesigning... Uh, our last redesign of game trailers, which was a, ended up being a total disaster and ended up killing our website. Um, we were way behind, like months behind. And so they started bringing in all these project managers who knew nothing about websites, knew nothing about video games, none of it. All they knew how to do was organize people to get together in groups and finish stuff. And we'd have mm-hmm. these scrums and these Kanban meetings. There was like this whole new vernacular that like, had to be learned just to work with these people. And my guess is that is what's happening with this game. They're just going to bring in project managers who are like, I don't even know what you're talking about with ray tracing. All I know is that ray tracing needs to be done by Wednesday or we're finding someone else to do the ray tracing. That's how a lot of that stuff works. Uh, They're ringers, basically, that you hire to come in and clean crap up. Uh, There are some developers who have been known to do that in the past, uh, people who just come in and are like the project's in trouble. Um, They come in and try to get it on on task and kind of cut off the stuff that's not working and get the game to store shelves. Um, So it looks like that's what's going to happen here with Halo Infinite. Does that always result in a better game? There's no way to know because you never played the original version in the first place. Uh, only The only way you find out is when you get interviews with developers like years after the fact, when they're like, oh, we had all this cool stuff that we had in there. We had to cut it because the project manager came in. We won't know that. All we'll know is what the product is that they eventually ship. But the bottom line is having these many, this many senior leaders leave one project, that's that's just bad. No matter yeah. how you slice it, no matter what industry you work in or what project you're working on, it's bad. It's bad project management. It shows that there was never a clear vision for the project from the beginning. It's not boding well for Halo Infinite is the bottom line. And we already saw it. I mean, you're you're probably seeing it right now. The game doesn't look that good right now. Um, I Matt, when do you think Halo Infinite is going to come out? Like, realistically? I have no idea. You think next Christmas? Do you think it's even a possibility? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if if product management is running it, yeah, I think you're going to see it come out next fall, whether it's ready or not. Like, I don't, I don't see any other. Really, options. you think whether it's ready or not? At a certain point, those those guys aren't going to care about whether the game is 
polished or not. They're you going to want remember. they want a halo item on the shelves to bring in revenue for the quarter. Like that's that's what that's going to be. Also, those marketing guys, you got to remember, just got burnt. I mean, they got scorched. They created all these marketing plans for Halo Infinite mm-hmm. and Xbox Series X that just had to go down the toilet because the game wasn't finished. So these people are coming in with their hair on fire. They're like, we just wasted so much money. We had a whole marketing plan that they probably worked on for like a year and a half and it all went to crap. So sometimes you need that though. You need the people with hair on fire to come into a project and see it with fresh eyes and be like, oh my gosh, what are you guys doing? This is all wrong. Let's cut all this. Let's get this stuff that's good in the game, polish it up and release it. So I agree with you, Matt. I'm guessing worst case scenario next holiday season. And that would be worst case scenario. I mean- Mm -hmm a year after the console's launch. That's a um, lot, especially my, if it ends up not being any better. My guess is the target is by E3 of next year to get it out. Maybe. I mean, does it really get you anything? Like, you, know. you know, holiday sales would probably help, but at the same time, maybe in the face of a project like this, maybe you want it out in the summer so you have, like, six months to make it good before you need to worry about Christmas. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know what you do with this at this point. Like, it's... it. And then there's the, 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 the idea that the Halo campaign or separate products. Yeah. And the, the idea that the history. Halo game, the idea of the Halo game would miss launch on this was. I don't think that's anything anyone considered. It's terrible. It's really, really bad. Um, so things are not going well for Halo Infinite, and like we said, it is the flagship game for this platform. Um, who knows when we're going to see it? Who knows when we're going to see it again? As far as see new footage after the way people reacted to the B-roll that we're showing uh-huh. you. It may be a while. They may be very nervous to show it again. Um, so that was I think bad. They definitely news. will be. Yeah. So that was bad news. And then, like the next day, it comes out that the creative director at Rare, who is working on its new IP called Everwild, has just resigned from Rare and left Rare. Mm-hmm. The other this big one new exclusive for this Xbox. one didn't. This one didn't bother me as much because um, the guy doesn't have a pedigree, or why? Because this game isn't a game yet. Uh, they don't know what this game is. You think like that's why said, he left? I think it might be. Like, I, I think because like as recently, at, when did they show this? Uh, their Xbox showcase in like June or July? Like, yeah, it was like a around couple there. months ago. Yeah. Like even then in their interviews around that, like the, Rare was straight up saying, we don't know. We know what it looks like. We've got this art style. We've got this world. We just don't know what the gameplay is yet. If so, you read like their official descriptions for it, they say nothing. No, because they don't know. It's a bunch and, of like, fantasy they're, they're, they're going to find the game in the world they've made, which I don't think that's a great That sounds like what they did it. with Sea of Thieves to me right it and, sounds like it sounds like you're backing into the game which never works mistake. out too well that is a huge and mistake so in this situation i think to me i read this guy leaving as i mean it could be anything but like it would not surprise me if it was because like he wanted to go work on another project that has a, an actual end date for it right you know because at this point if you're on everwild i feel like you just don't know when when this is going to end like this you know everwild could be in development for another three years and he left Rare. He he's not yeah. staying at the company. He didn't just step down from the project and he's going to go yeah, he's work completely on the gone. banjo like, game or anything. He's I th- gone. Did he, is he, he starting? Did like, he say something like independent stuff? Like was that what? He, I don't think I thought, they said what he say was anything. Do next. No, because like um, it's, it seems like seems like start your own indie company is. 
why not a possibility at that point because at least you're out your own boss for a while yeah but so, uh, no this this i feel like this doesn't say much about the the i mean it says something about the state of the project but the state of the project is it's not really a project yet it's more yeah, of a tech so demo you, would you agree with me that they showed this thing way 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 too early oh yeah i don't know i mean, mean they're showing it because they don't have anything else to show and it's a striking visual but like they clearly don't know what this is yet. They can't tell anybody what it is. Like when they ask them, they're just like, well, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it like, could be no, anything. You know, like, it was in your press release. It doesn't say anything. So here we have two seemingly huge yeah. Xbox Series exclusives that are completely in flux. We have no idea when they're coming. Mm-hmm. And for no complete different what reasons. Even is. It's like the complete opposite, too. It's like Halo Infinite is like was too mundane and they realized they had to go back and like vamp it up. And this one is so far ahead of itself that it doesn't weird. even know what it is yet. <laughs> Like I think Everwild is gonna will be one of end up being one of two things. Everwild is going to end up either being too vague and like Weird. scattered to be like something that can really you most people can really latch onto, or they're going to punt and make it like a standard action RPG. I would say the latter would end up being the more likely scenario. Considering how, considering the solution to Halo has been to give marketing like the the reins, it seems like ending up just making it something that everybody's played before. Right, making it is the most likely. popular, best-selling genre in the industry right now. Yeah, yeah. it seems like the punt. I mean, so it's probably not a bad that's punt. I thought it was. I'll say that. Like, I think when we first created... The I mean, it, look, look, at the, look at that footage right now. It's just like, okay, it's a glowing big thing and four people standing together in a group. Like, I, I mean, you're waiting <laughs> for the turn-based battle thing to spin out. You know, like... Yeah. And that'd be fun. You, you want to make, like, a Horizon-style thing in this world? Cool. Awesome. Yeah, but, like... Pick a lane, dude. Like, yeah. it does not every again. I mean, it goes back to my thing about like, I don't need it to reinvent gaming forever. I just need it to. You, it can be the most boring base concept action RPG ever, but as long as you execute it well, I'm gonna have fun. Yeah, and and this guy from Rare did not uh, make any statement when he left. <laughs> like the no, guy from no Halo info, Infinite, yeah. he did. But this guy did not. Well, but, I think on this one, they're hoping that no one, not enough people are paying attention that you need to make a statement. You leave, the director of Halo leaves, you're like, yeah, we got to talk about that for at least a little bit. But well, I don't the, know. So Rare did issue a statement. Um, and the guy's name was Simon Woodruff. Um, and they said, we thank Simon for all his hard work on Everwild and wish him the very best of luck for the future. And here's where they describe Everwild. Mm. Your wild team are in good hands and passionate about building a game that will give players unforgettable experiences in a natural and magical world. <laughs> that was exactly what I was talking about. A bunch of fantasy babble that doesn't say anything. That's what we know of Everwild so far. So Things are not looking good for those two games. Uh, the console's a week out. This is the last time we're just going to do like a random roundup of Xbox series, whatever information. Everything will be a lot more specific and granular going forward. And there will be a lot more big stories to talk about where we don't have to pull a bunch of them together into one topic to make it work. So that's it. It's time for Series X to freaking get here. And uh, when you come back next Wednesday for Game Face, I will be here with the Xbox Series X. And with that, it's time to turn the page. Not just to our final topic of Game Face episode 235. It's also time to turn the page on Generation 8. And as you guys know, we do our Game of the Year awards every year. And we'll be doing them again this year. Um, and you may think, oh, well, they just roll some of the... Ju-. No, we, we want to do 
generational awards separate from our Game of the Year awards. One, because they're just too dang long. And two, they're completely different things. So we're not going to mix them up. We are going to do our generation awards live right here, right now on Game Face episode 235. Now, as you might imagine, there's a lot to get through. So we had to kind of structure things pretty rigidly. Um, so we selected three platforms and both Matt and I are going to pick the best game for each platform and a runner-up for each platform. Uh, so we have three of those and then we're going to give also our awards for third-party games. The three platforms that we're going to be talking about today are the Wii U, and I know that's weird, but Wii U is a part of this generation. It just yeah. died really fast. It launched with everyone else. Yep, the Wii U, the PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Both Matt and I will be picking our favorite game for each one of those platforms and a runner-up, and then picking our overall favorite and second favorite third-party game from Generation 8. So, we're going to kick things off with the little platform that couldn't, the Nintendo Wii U. <laughs> Matt, the first thing I will say is, when I went to make my picks for this, I had to go look. I could not remember a lot of great Wii U games. Um, and so I, was, I had to Google it. And then I looked at it and I realized why I could not remember a lot of great Wii U games. And that's because there were not a lot of great Wii U games. In fact, the library... That was sort of the problem. Yeah. In fact, the library for that console is pretty much pathetic. Um, so this, for me, was pretty easy to pick a runner-up and a winner. Matt... What was your runner-up for the best Wii U game of all time? My runner-up, um, I was actually, honestly, I will say this was a pretty easy narrow down because there are only two games left on the Wii U that I would actually want to play again. <laughs> um, and that number, the runner-up is the Wonderful 101. Yeah, um, and there's a little, just re-released. There's a little irony there because. Um, now I don't have to play it on the Wii U anymore. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> I didn't true. really, I did not enjoy it as much playing it again. Um, I, I, I liked it a lot when it first came out on Wii U, and now I it's just archaic. like, yeah, it just didn't didn't age too well. I, and like, I, I don't know, hot take, that's just platinum in a nutshell. It really kind of is. Like, yeah. they, they're they, of the moment, and then they just fade. They never managed to make a game that holds up till the end mm -hmm. <laughs> like vanquish first couple hours of vanquish i freaking loved it but then it just never kept adding like new elements to it and it just became repetitive and dull and that's the way a lot of platinum games are sadly despite its pedigree and its reputation inside the industry um but look i didn't really like wonderful 101 when i when it came out like i just the art style was weird it has really cool ideas and i kind of like some of the concepts as far as like kind of using characters to build weapons that they, you, you then use. Like, I think there's something there, uh, mm. but I just didn't like the execution. I didn't like the look of the game. I didn't like how the camera worked. I thought it, like the camera was too pulled out. I don't know. It just, it has a, it, it's, it's got a lot of choices it made. And I think those choices are more glaring now and more glaring on current the new system, especially when you remove the game pad mm. from it. But at the time, I really liked it. Um, it was one of the games I really wanted them to save from the Wii U graveyard, um, and they did, so that's cool. Um, even if I didn't fall in love with it again, all over again, uh, that's fine. It was still one of my better experiences on the Wii U uh, that was not a remake of an old game, because I didn't want to pick, like, Wind Waker HD, right. because that felt like cheating. <laughs> it's hard! 
The um, Wii U is hard, man. Like, yeah. It's really hard. Or even like Twilight Princess HD, which I really didn't like on the Wii, but I liked a lot better on the Wii U because I could just play it with a controller. Right. Um, yeah. uh, Again, yeah. platform. Or like the Metroid Prime trilogy. Like it's it's <laughs> so much stuff I like. I mean, I'm like, I thought about like Tokyo Mirage Sessions, but I'm like, do I really like, I didn't even like that enough to buy it again on the Switch. So yeah. like, meh. And like Bayonetta 2 was cool. Yeah. Like it's, you know, and then the, everything else was like already on other yeah. systems. So it was, a, it was a hard, it was, it was not a hard pick once I narrowed it down to things that were exclusive to the system at the time. And I liked, <laughs> it was like that, but that was about it. Yep. Um, my first runner-up for best Wii U game of all time is Super Mario 3D World. Uh, also coming to Switch here very soon. Yep. <laughs> I mean, everything is going to. I did not adhere to the, it can only be available for Wii U <clears throat> for, for my two picks for this console. I don't think I could have picked two games if I did that, Matt, because all the good games are being brought to Switch because mm-hmm. they undersold. Well, I was trying to stick to, like, not previously on another system. Yeah. Like it brought I brought forward to the Switch or something. Like, obviously, Wonderful 101 was, so it doesn't, yeah. doesn't count. But yeah. I didn't want something that was brought from a previous generation, oh, basically. Okay. Yeah, which so was Super like, Mario 3D World initially. Yeah, this is its own game. And it is coming to Switch pretty soon. Um, it is probably my least favorite 3D Mario platformer of them all, um, close with mm. Sunshine. Yeah, I like. I do like this better than Sunshine. Um, um, but I, I like Sunshine better because it is free roaming. A lot of this game was played from kind of a 2D-ish perspective mm-hmm. and with fixed cameras, and I like 3D Mario's better than 2D Mario's. Still, it's a great game. It is an amazing game, and some people think it's the best 3D Mario ever, so it certainly has all the other great stuff about Mario, the very clever mm-hmm. puzzles, the very... It's- Smart it's way certainly, they use it's certainly the up. closest. Uh, I think the closest they got to sort of finding a happy medium between the 3D Mario's yep. and sort of what New Super Mario Brothers had turned the 2D Mario yep. into. Agreed. Like it, it felt like a nice hybrid. Nice compromise. Um, yep. I liked it. I mean, I didn't. I didn't put it on my list because I don't like Mario that much. But yeah. like it, well, it's do good. It. <laughs> if you don't like Mario, you're definitely not going to like this one. That's for sure. Um, Matt, and now it's time. Drum roll for us to pick. Uh, the best Wii U game of all time. Matt, what is your pick? This is a very strong wording, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I, but my favorite one uh, ended up pretty much because I, I just looked through everything on my shelf, everything in my in the hard drive, and I'm like, well, there's really only one thing I really genuinely enjoyed to the degree that I would describe it as my favorite game on the system. Not necessarily the best game on the system, but my favorite game on the system, and that's Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah. Um, now we should say like, well, we aren't saying that like, go to Metacritic and these are the games with the highest scores. We're saying no. these are the games that we like the most from these platforms. And uh, and I'll admit, Xenoblade Chronicles X uh, wore out its welcome about two thirds of the way through the game. Um, it's what well, it's also it's one like of the eighty hours long. It's a very long game. It's <laughs> it is in hindsight the warning flag for what Xenoblade Chronicles 2 became. Because yeah. this is where this, I'm like, this game's, I mean, where it all Xen- started. Yeah. this is where the whole shift to like, oh, this is just like an afternoon anime cartoon thing started. And all the music's very weird. And there's all this like weird pop rock, like playing in the background when you run around the town and stuff. And it was, it's, yeah, but, the, but it, it doubles down on what Xenoblade's strength has always been and hopefully will always be, and that is giving you this crazy world to explore 
this huge place to yeah. look at. The, and this one really leans into it in the sense of like you're on an alien planet and you're trying to catalog the life and you're trying to establish footholds and you're sort of exploring the you know, exploration is really the, the name of the game. Yeah. And I really like that. And I thought that was done well. And sort of uh, that, that feeling of constantly pushing sort of out your boundaries and sort of where the safe places to explore were and sort of that was right. And the, the only issue with it was like early in the game. And I, by early, I mean the first like 15 hours is like your goal is to get the mech. Like you, everyone eventually gets giant mech suits to run around in. And that was there. there there's one. And, and that opens up huge amounts of export because, you know, you can fly and, and jump around yeah. and like get to places you couldn't before and fight things that you would kill you in one hit before. And so I spent like the whole time, like just wanting to get the, that mech. We got the, finally got the mech and like the mech introduces all this other stupid shit where it's like, <laughs> oh, you got to buy fuel it for it. And no, <laughs> only one mech. So you have to wait until you get other mechs and buy, you got to work up. And it was like, you want to, I was on this treadmill to get this thing I really liked. And I finally got it. And it kind of ruined everything. <laughs> like it was, so I kind of so I played but it for still a while. the best Wii U game still, ever. Best Wii U game. Like was, look, the Wii U was not a great system. Let's, it was let's not. Be honest. There's and a this, reason. They and doing the this, has, it has become did. painfully obvious how bad it was. Yeah, I'll tell and you. To, and to be uh, now, to be fair, I do hope that at some point they rescue this game from the Wii U and put it on the Switch because it des- it does deserve to. Oh, they will move Matt. forward. You know, you, they you think. Will. You'd think <laughs> it's gonna happen. I mean, look, Xenoblade, the, the definitive edition sold so well on the Switch. I can't imagine that this isn't in the pipeline right now. Like, yep. it's it's too obvious and it's too much of a capital. It's too easy to capitalize on the brand name uh, on the Switch at this point. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, we get that. And then we're kind of out of Wii U games uh, to That's bring it. forward that Pretty are much. worthwhile. Um, the only other one I thought of that I considered putting on the list was Fatal Frame. Yep. Um, That's it. Which was only available digitally. Uh, but I didn't because it, it's also not very good. Not I mean, very good. Thing. It really isn't. I love <laughs> I love the Fatal Frames. Fatal Frame Two is one of my favorite horror games. But yeah, yeah. Yep, <laughs> uh, so by now, I'm guessing you guys have all figured out what my pick is between what Matt said we weren't considering and what hasn't been mentioned yet. And yes, my pick for the best Wii U game of all time is The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Even though it pretty much ran like crap on the Wii U. It is still, to me, far and away the best, most complete game that released for the Wii U. The, sy- the system needed like 20 more games like Breath of the Wild to be successful. It got one. So that's a big reason why the Wii U didn't last very yeah. long. Uh, I, mean, I, didn't pick, I didn't pick this for two reasons. One, I never played it on the Wii U. No. Uh, so I just don't know. I mean, I I'm bought, assuming, well, I bought it. So Nintendo sent it to me on the Switch. And then I bought the Wii U version because I thought, as a collector, it would ultimately maybe be worth some money. Yeah, I almost I didn't buy it. I almost bought it because I thought eventually um, emulation, like right. Dolphin emulation, yeah. would use that one right. because it's a disc that you can rip instead of a, a cartridge. Yeah. Um, but I never did it. Um, also, and number number two reason, uh, as time has gone on and. Uh, I don't like Breath of the Wild very much. I don't really either. I've so, not. I've never been a huge fan of it. You can go back to when we talked about it after I played it, like our live review on Game Face mm-hmm. back when it came out. I was not a huge proponent of Breath of the Wild, having played tons of open world games. I think what puzzled me the most is that there were lots of people who had played tons of open world games who still thought it was like the best open world game ever. I mean, different strokes for different folks. But mm-hmm. it's to me, it's far and away the best Wii U game. Um and again, it does not run particularly well on that platform, but it's still, it's a huge, gigantic game with a lot of flexibility. 
massive open world where you can fiddle around and have some fun in it. Um, to me, it was pretty clear that it was the best Wii U game that uh, was ever released. So now it's time for PlayStation 4 where things get a little more difficult. Check that a lot more difficult. Um, Matt and I actually ended up picking the same game for our first runner up. Um, but then our winners are different. Uh, so Matt, you just want to share what both of us picked as our runner up? The Last of Us Part Two. Yep. Um, it's been hard since I played that game to place it in the pantheon of PlayStation 4 games. I hadn't done it. And I assumed it would be like top 10-ish or whatever. But then I started looking at the PlayStation 4 games and I was like, uh, no, like this is definitely one of the best games to come out for PlayStation 4. Uh, because the game came out so recently, we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about it. All you guys just got done playing it as well. I totally understand that there's going to be somebody sitting on their couch watching this show or at their computer chair watching this show telling us that we're crazy. It's the worst game ever. They ruined the franchise. You hate Sony now. You hate Naughty Dog now. I know it. I know there are people like that out there. I just think you're crazy. I think it's an amazing game on so many levels and more than worthy of runner-up for best PS4 game. What's your uh, take, Matt? Uh, pretty much the same. I mean, it, Last of Us 2 is remains one of the best stories I've ever been told in the game. And yep. I know that there's people that say it's like, well, you're wrong. Um, it's... It's incredibly well-structured. It's structured in a way that it needs to be narratively. Uh, it is a masterclass in how to write something uh, that drives its themes home in, in, for the reason it's structured the way it is. I am very critical when it comes to storytelling about flashback usage because flashbacks, there always has to be a reason you tell things in a certain order. Mm -hmm. And one of the things games do all the time, other shows do it and movies do it too, but games are the worst offender is starting in medio res, like starting in the middle of the action. Yeah. And then you have to like catch up to that part or mm -hmm. something like that. Usually they when definitely games didn't do that here. No, they didn't do that here. <laughs> Usually when games do that, you have to, there's because like, oh, you got to catch people's attention with an action right. thing, but there's never a narratively motivated reason that I need to know that information in the order I'm given it. Yeah. This game, there is a reason why they give you everything in the order they do. And it's brilliant. It, is, it should be studied uh, uh, how to unfold a theme and how to suddenly change your expectations and understandings of those themes and why the characters are doing what they're doing by suddenly giving you more information and not in a cheap way like, oh, we withheld this to fool you, but in a, oh, we've been building to this idea and we're going to take this new information and that's going to drive that idea straight through your fucking heart. And this game does that three separate times and it's, it works every time and it's amazing. Like, and I is speaking to someone who has never had much praise for Neil Druckmann's storytelling before this game. Like I am not a fan of Uncharted 4. I never even finished it because yeah, I didn't like it, it at all. And he just, you know, it's Last a of culmination Us 1, of his career. Yeah, Last of Us 1, I think, has a lot of problems, it, problems that I think were solved by his, whatever he did. I don't know, he took classes or had, you know, I don't know, had more time on this or whatever, but he knocked this thing out of the park. Um, and the gameplay. And that's why is he's working on the show and everything. And else the gameplay now. is strongly improved. Like as someone who just played Last of Us One again, a lot of that gameplay was very frustrating to me. And this yeah. is not. Like it all works. He may never make a video game again once he gets a taste of working in Hollywood. He may be like, "What am I doing working in games?" I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, make, making shows and movies is not e not easy work, but I would imagine it's less grinding than game development. Yep. 
For sure. Okay, it's time for both of us to share our picks for the best PlayStation 4 game of all time. Let them have it, Matt. So my pick, um, sorry, Bloodborne fans, my pick is Horizon Zero Dawn. I was a little surprised. Um, I thought it might be, I thought at least Bloodborne would get one of your two. If Last of Us hadn't come out this year, it would have probably been my runner-up. Okay. Um, But Last of Us is, uh, and part of it, I guess, is part of it because Last of Us is also, to me, kind of the the culmination of the cinematic event Sony exclusive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like Bloodborne a lot. It's probably my favorite. It was probably my favorite uh, Souls-alike, Souls game uh, until Sekiro. And a matter of fact, Sekiro might actually be number three. Now that I think about it, that was that was kind of the the balance there that I mm-hmm. went back and forth on. Um, I love Bloodborne, but uh, it's not the end all be all to me. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn is the game uh, in terms of certainly Sony exclusives this generation that has just sort of like hit all the right buttons for me. Like it's best it's new the, IP of this gen, Matt. I would say so. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I I like. The world, I like how the world is sort of unfolded. I like how you learn more about how it came about mm-hmm. uh, from the hologram stuff and, and and why it happened the way it did. Um, I like that it, it a couple of its ideas threw me. Like I, it surprised me in places in that regard. I, I love, love the hunting. Different. Like I like everything how, about yeah. it is different. Like the, no game has like that crazy like trapping mechanic that yeah. that game has. There's no an, game this, has like the the ecosystem the way it is. Or, or like, like the, the games that do have the games that do have that trapping mechanic like make you play a bunch of survival bullshit. Right. Right. On, yeah, in yeah. addition, you got to eat and drink so you don't die. <laughs> right. So this is this is just more like we're gonna give you these crazy monsters, and if you want to be like a crazy bow badass, you can do it. But if you'd like to be a thinking person, you can. Take that tactic as well, yeah, and that's it's very satisfying. And I've gone back to it a couple of times. Uh, I gave a friend uh, a copy of it for Christmas, and she played it a bit, and that kind of sent me into playing it again a little bit on a new game plus as well. And like, it's still great, still holds up. Um, there's some play, some rough play. You know, I hope that they improve in the in the second one, the facial animation and the and yep. the lip syncing. Everyone's everyone's a little dead in the eyes in in the cutscenes in this. Um, which is kind of its only real shortcoming to me, but I, you know, I platinum the thing. I played it all the way through. I, I the DLC, the Frozen Wild stuff was great. Um, a lot of memorable characters. Uh, going through it again for New Game Plus was like coming home and visiting old friends in places. It was really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, the the size of the world is impressive, both in the sense of how big it is and how it doesn't get old. Like I, I remember leaving that first main area uh, after the proving and being like, oh wow, there's a lot of space to run around and do stuff. And then after that, you go and further move into like the, the Karja area and like, oh, there's a whole new biome yeah. over here. And then there's a whole <laughs> yeah. new other biome over here. And then the yeah. frozen wilds is that, I mean, it's just, it's just, there's a lot there and it never gets old to me. I, I love every inch of this thing. Um, so yeah, this, this was definitely Worthy my pick. pick. Yep. And uh, I can't wait to see what it looks like enhanced on PS5, and I can't wait for the sequel. Uh, I mean, yeah, exactly. You can't. But I will. Don't, don't put that out till it's done. <laughs> I'll wait as long as you need for that. Don't yep. rush that. Take thing. your time. Um, and then my pick for the greatest PlayStation 4 game of all time, you guys probably guess this one too, is God of War. Um, I don't know. It's going to take something really special for a game to knock God of War off of my pedestal. Um, And I think a lot of that is just for personal reasons. It happened to come out right around when I lost my father to a car accident. And obviously the themes of the game 
you know, they extrapolate across my, my real life and did. And so the story was very impactful and in honesty, hard for me to get through at times. I'm getting kind of choked up just thinking about it right now. So the impact that that game had on me because of what was going on in my personal life. Um, I don't know that another game will ever hit me the way that one did, but then, I mean, besides that, it's just a freaking awesome game. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get all dour about it. Yeah, I mean, that's why the game resonated with me, but this game is freaking awesome. I love everything about it, right down to how it feels when the hammer comes back. Like, it, they just nailed everything. Like, I really struggle to find any real criticisms of the game other than it was kind of a half step to an open world. Other than that, it's like a peerless, flawless masterpiece, in my opinion. So I just would have wanted more. Yeah. Like, yeah. I really wish they would have done like story DLC, but you know what? It just makes me all the more excited for the PlayStation 5 games. So mm-hmm. it's just, to me, it's a runaway winner for me as far as best PlayStation 4 game. Nothing came close to affecting me the way that God of War did. It's just, just class from top to bottom. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, Mechanically, uh, I would say only Bloodborne or Sekiro yep. stand up to it. Yep, like it's the combat's definitely on that level. Yep, for sure. I don't can't imagine anyone hasn't played it by now. But if you haven't, go freaking play it. I do. I one thing I love is my friends. I have a lot of friends who are casual gamers. Like they buy, they'll buy a PlayStation Five in like three years, and then they'll buy like the four biggest games for it. And so they. Always they're like, what should I buy? And I always tell them, buy God of War. Just buy it. Like They're like, but what is it? Just buy it. Hmm. (laughs) And they're like, okay, well, this is what you do, so I'll listen to you. And inevitably, two weeks later, they call me. They're like, oh, my God. Wow. Like, like, (laughs) now I understand why you didn't even bother explaining what the game was. Like, it's just one of those games that, like, no matter how experienced you are with the medium, you just know you're playing quality pretty much from the minute you start it to the minute you finish, minute you finish it. So... Just really good stuff. And now it's time for Xbox One. And this was not easy <laughs> at all. Because also looking back on the not Xbox much. One's lineup, there's not much. Unless it's just pick your favorite gears. Pick your fi- favorite Forza. Pick your favorite Halo. That's pretty much what it is. So, Matt, what is your first runner-up for Xbox One? Um, let's see if anyone remembers this one. Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, an Insomniac game. It was Insomniacs. Yeah, one of Insomniacs. Yeah, yeah. Exclusive. It was an exclusive, exclusive at the time. Yeah, eventually came to, to PC. Now. <laughs> yeah, eventually came to PC, but it wasn't exclusive at the time. It's an open world comedy zombie satire action thing. Um, which a lot of people, the humor rubs, rubs people the wrong way in some, some areas because it's like, it's very of its time. There's like a NeoGAF reference in it. Like it, it's just, yeah. it, it's it's playing fast and loose with everything, and it can be a little obnoxious if you're not into that. I I do like it. I think it's very good. Um, it has some very unique mechanics too, with like the wire yeah. surfing and all that. Yeah, I I do find this to be a little bit of a prototype for Spider-Man for them. Yeah, for sure. Like there's some there's some they learned a lot there. from Sunset Overdrive that they brought into yeah. Spider-Man. Um, and it's still fun to play. I've played it a couple of times over the years. Uh, this is actually pretty early. I remember, I remember right. I think it was like the first year or second year of the Xbox. Um, but it holds up. You can get it for like 19 bucks now. Yep. Um, I still have one of the energy drinks on, on my shelf somewhere, which I'm sure is not good to drink anymore. If nope. it ever was. <laughs> <laughs> it never was, Matt. <laughs> uh, okay, my first runner-up is Gears 5. Um the best Gears of War game ever made, in my opinion. I know that may may uh, ruffle some fez- feathers saying that, 
but to me it is technically artistically uh the story and i know a lot of people will push back on me for that because they'll say oh the first two the story is way better go back and play them they're not you know distance in time makes the heart grow fonder it's they're not those first couple games are not as good as you remember them as i mean i went back before gears 5 came out i was i tried to play through the whole series in preparation for them I didn't get. I got like halfway through Gears Two. Yep, like it was and as far as I it's did. hard. Um, yeah. Gears Five is the best Gears of War game, and I would also argue that what they pulled off with that game running on the base Xbox One is like witchcraft. I, mm-hmm. it's so funny. I I'm playing Watch Dogs Legion right now, brand new game on that same platform, and Gears just mops the floor with it. I mean, just makes it look like a joke. So technically. To me, the most impressive thing released on Xbox One, hands down. Also the best Gears game. So it easily uh, was my first runner-up. And now, Matt, we're picking the winner of the best Xbox One game. And this is another one where we both picked the same thing. And just saying that, the hardcore Game Face fans probably know exactly what we're going to say. And the winner for the best Xbox One game of all time is Forza Horizon 4. And that, and I know, I know right now people are like, what a racing game that again, that just shows you where the software was on Xbox one. Yeah. Also, it's a, it's a car PG. Also open world car PG. It's true. Also, it's freaking like, it is the best driving game of the generation. I don't think there's anything else as close. I enjoyed this. No, not unless you want like a pure sim. Yeah. Uh, In terms, but in terms of like an arcade sort of like, Good time, nice Just a hybrid thing. Absolutely, game. yeah. Like it's it's awesome. a huge improvement over three, which left me a little cold. Yeah, actually. but three is still great. Three's I mean, good. <laughs> they're both good, but four is by far the best. Also, somewhat of a technical marvel as mm-hmm. far as what they pulled off on like Xbox One. Um, again, I, I'll just reiterate. To me, it's the best driving game of the generation. It's the driving game I had the most fun with. So you may say, "Oh, that's lame." That Xbox One's best game is a driving game. I don't. Thank God somebody is taking the time to make driving games this good when no one else will. So yeah, like what else you got? Need for Speed has dropped the ball yeah, for like I don't want to play any other now. ones, Matt. All I want to play is Forza Horizon. It's like when I play other driving games now, I'm just like, why am I not playing Forza Horizon? It's better at pretty much everything than this game that I'm being I'm playing yeah. now. So. Like I keep seeing the Hot Pursuit remake pop up on the pre-order list, and I'm just like, why won't I just play Forza again? Yeah, like, there's no reason. And it, the crazy part is they keep adding to the game if you go back and play it mm-hmm. now it's like there's so much content in there it's like a brand new game so yeah the lego thing is really cool it's not as good as the hot wheels one yeah on three but it's yep. still really cool and as long as i i hope forza horizon continues to do one the one dlc that's just completely wacky yep like, I, think I, I really like that i think they will it's done too well those things sell yeah. like crazy so they'll definitely do more um and now we are to the final category all the platforms we've gone through and now all this left is third party um this one i thought was really hard i had to think a long time on this one because there's just so many games but then the other thing i would say that i saw researching this matt is that third parties were not great in generation eight like if you look at all the top reviewed scores on Metacritic for this generation, there are hardly any third-party games in there. Like, mm-hmm. hardly any at all. So, Sony and Nintendo really ruled the high, high-level high roost with their exclusives. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I mean with, with the Switch, not the Wii. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep. 
So if you look like if but the you switch isn't like over time, yet over the last like four years, yeah. the top like 15 games are all Sony exclusives and switch games, switch games. Yeah. And we can't do switch yet. Cause it's not over yep. yet. Yeah. And don't, don't get salty. Switch is just in the middle of its life right now. We're not going to do switch yet. Like yeah, you we'll can't call anything time. on switch yet. It's yeah, too, it's way too, too many, early too many games to come. Yeah. It's not like we're trying to out, you know, put switch out or anything. It just, it doesn't fit in this topic. Uh, so we're going to talk about third party, Matt, what was your first runner up for the best um, third party game? This is a big deal. Best third party game of generation eight. What's yeah, this, was, this was actually really easy for me because I just took the two games I played the most. And so the runner up is no man's sky. Okay. Um, which yeah, oh, you're our worst game ever. Hello. It's John. I don't think Lied this will surprise and, uh, anyone. But no one, no one has watched, watched the show. Than, like, is five aware. episodes yeah. of game face. You knew he was going to pick this. Um, so I put, I mean, I put about 600 hours into this game. <laughs> Just over the, the stories. Years. Matt, you've told probably like five hours worth of stories on yep. Game Face about No Man's Sky. Yeah, No Man's Sky. I mean, No Man's Sky uh, it has changed a lot in the four year, four yeah. and a half years since it was released. It's an understatement. Um, but it is, yeah, it's a very different game. If you haven't, you know, for some reason you are not aware of what this game has become, you should give it a shot because it, uh, it's a way different and way better now. And even as someone who liked the launch version well enough, like this is a completely different thing now. I go back to it almost semi, almost weekly. Um, I would say I put a couple hours in every week, maybe every two weeks um, in part, even if it's just a loaded up, uh, un, I take all the activated indium out of my indium mines and sell it for millions and millions of units so I can keep up my 2 billion unit, uh, unit <laughs> bank account. Um, just in case I need to buy a new freighter. Here's, um, what, here's what I like about this pick, Matt, is that it is a game that has kind of lasted across yeah. the generation and evolved yeah. into, I mean, even at the beginning, it was a great game all on its own, but that wasn't good enough. Like they continued to evolve it until it became something almost unrecognizable, but way more awesome. Yeah. Like, and they're still doing it. Yes. Like, like it just doesn't happen that way. I consider totally understand why you yeah, picked I it. I considered having this be one of my picks for the Xbox One X launch. Oh. Or Xbox yeah. Series X launch. Because like, yeah. yeah, if because you don't have it. If you haven't played it, it may blow your yeah. freaking doors off. <laughs> Absolutely. So, since the next gen update's coming that same day or yeah. that same week, yeah. might be worth Not trying. A bad pick, man, honestly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, okay. uh, yeah. That's a good pick. Uh, but it was not my pick. My first That does not up. surprise me either. <laughs> well, my this pick surprised the crap out of me. Mm. I just want to admit, like, I never dreamed that this game would make one of my top two when I started doing this. And the runner-up for me is Red Dead Redemption 2. And this goes back to what I was saying just a minute ago about when you really sort all the games from this generation and you look at it, Third parties really drop the effing ball, Matt. I mean, the, other than like a couple Assassin's Creed games, no third party game scratched a 9.0 or higher. Like, it's crazy. Like, I don't know why. It does seem that with this generation, time became a huge factor. If you had three years to, or two years or three years to make a game, your mm -hmm. game, even if you were really skilled and were really good at creating games, probably was going to end up somewhere between an 8 to like an 8.7. Mm -hmm. Only the studios that gave five years, seven years, eight years to create games, the first party guys are the ones who got up over a 9, except for this game. Red Dead Redemption 2. I feel like I was as frustrated playing this game 
in equal measure to how elated I was playing this game. It just, there are peaks that are crazy high and then there are these crazy low valleys and then it goes back up again. It just, it was hard for me to accept that it ultimately is one of the two best third party games that have come out this generation. But after looking into it and really just kind of searching my soul a little bit, it is. I hate to admit it. It is so polished, and there's so many contrivances that are so annoying. But the craftsmanship in this game is just so hard to deny. And the story was pretty good. Um, I was a little disappointed in it. Ultimately, I thought it would be better than it was. But still probably better than your GTA trope that you expect from Rockstar. Um, I was just surprised that this ended up making the cut for me. Um, I saw a lot of people in chat when we were discussing... Um, some of the other platforms, they were throwing up Red Dead 2 um, over and over again. So I'm definitely not alone in this one. A lot of people really like it, but you and I just really aren't two of them. But no, I mean, I, it would it might make my, my top 10 um, for third-party stuff, but mm, I would probably put Odyssey above it and if that was several not, other things. That was the fringe game for me. That was the one that was like butting up right against it. And I ended up going for Red Dead because it's just, it's a more unique theme. I felt like... I wouldn't say that. No, I would say I think Red Dead has better craftsmanship. Although I will say this: in terms of building the, the environments in the world and the animation, and everything, yeah. But I, but what Ubisoft I, I did, accomplished in the amount of oh, yeah. time it had is. But impressive. I did go back to to play this, like when Red Dead Online kind of got some updates and they gave away some free stuff and things. So I went and I think I got through some free stuff through Twitch Prime for Red Dead Online. So I went back and played it some more, um, and like. I still hate playing this game. Like, it not that I hate playing, but the feel of playing is irritating play as hell. Like, it just, it just doesn't feel good to play. I, know. I get it. You're, I'm playing it, and I'm playing it in spite of the gameplay, which is never a good thing to me. Yeah. Um, but it's like I want to see what's over the next hill, and I want to do this. It, this activity sounds a lot of fun. Oh, it's not fun to actually <laughs> do it. Yeah. But I want to have accomplished it. It's, it's a weird. It's a weird. Tug of war, this game. Is. I, I and agree, like, that's I sort of how rock what Rockstar has become. But I just think it just shows not. how poor the third party output was in Generation Eight. It just wasn't up to par. Yeah, I just I don't think I agree with that. But I think I would I would be I think my top ten or top twenty uh, third party games would include a lot of indie stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, like, doesn't surprise me at all. And uh, or and like stuff like yeah that, that began on PC. Like I don't think that was a problem on PC. Like a Divinity Original Sin Two, a really great game, eventually came to consoles. Do I think of it as a console game? Not really. Yeah. You know, like it's that kind of thing. Like that whole yeah. top-down RPG had a big renaissance, and a lot of those did eventually come to consoles. But it, like it didn't really enter my head to think of them as that when we were talking about this. Yeah, I get, yeah, um, I that. you know, like yep. but like it, there's stuff that was good, but like yeah. This generation really was the generation of the exclusives, and that's one of the main reasons the Xbox became irrelevant as fast as it did. And that's also one of the reasons why we're telling you to buy a PS5. Right. <laughs> Just being honest. <laughs> um, and here it is. Our, both of us, we ended up picking the same game as the winner for the best third-party game of Generation 8. I don't even think we really need to talk about it because we've talked about it no. so much across the years. The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Um, I think we've probably talked for 10 hours about The Witcher 3 at this point, right. why we like it, why we like it more than other games. Um, All I can say is that I have played this game to 100% completion on three separate platforms. Yep. The only other game I've done that with that I can recall in the last two generations is Skyrim. Yeah. 
I mean, the biggest reason I picked it over Red Dead 2 is that I liked playing it more. It goes mm -hmm. right back to what you're saying, and I'm a gameplay first guy. And look, even The Witcher 3, when I first started playing it, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel great. But to me, compared to Red Dead Redemption 2, it feels amazing. So mm -hmm. also the, the DLC was way better for for The Witcher 3. Yeah. It lived on much longer than Red Dead. Red Dead's post-launch support, to me, I haven't even gone back. Like, I just don't care. Um, so... The Witcher 3, for both of us, uh, best third-party game of Generation 8. Um, and then a couple things to kind of tease before we go to Q&A. And uh, you're probably like, okay, well, you just announced all these platforms. What's the best overall game of Generation 8? What's the game of Generation 8? We're not going to share that yet. That That is actually coming in our Game of the Year Awards in December, along with the platform of the Generation so two huge awards that will be added into our Game of the Year awards for the first time and the last time for probably another seven years. So it's a, it's a big deal. Um, so there you go. There are our Generation Awards for Generation 8. It has been an amazing generation, Matt. I have been getting really, like, sappy uh, working on this segment for the show, just thinking about it. Because um, this generation was, for me, was like the sifted generation. You know, I worked at big outlets all the way through, you know, the PS3 and Xbox 360 era and was at game trailers when the new platforms launched, but never really covered the new platforms at game trailers. I did all of that here at Sifted. So this will always be a very special generation for me. Uh, the first one that I covered as under my own business. Like, I still have to pinch myself sometimes that I'm running my own gaming website. It's really crazy. Um, and, you know, this generation, without it, who knows if Sifted would still exist? So uh, I'm, I'm very appreciative of everyone who makes games and makes hardware. Without it, you and I wouldn't be able to do what we do. And this has been a great generation for video games. The proof is in the pudding. The sales of PS5 and Xbox Series X show that most people agree that this generation was amazing full of great games and everyone feels like they got their money's worth out of their consoles and the games that they purchased. So thank you, Generation 8. You've been great to me. You've been great to Matt. You've been great to all the sifters, but say la vie. All right, let's get to some questions. We can't take many. We went way over. I knew getting this show done in a decent amount of time was going to be a challenge. Um, and I failed. So I'll just fully admit it. I failed to corral the show and get it done in time. So we're only going to answer a couple um let's see uh commander fett what do you think of the new dune trailer do you think that dune would make a good video game um i'll just say yes i think dune will make a great video game and matt can discuss a trailer <laughs> uh well dune did make a great video game it created real-time strategy it created a genre yeah um <laughs> dune i <sighs> Uh, the trailer looks pretty good. Uh, I am skeptical. I mean, Dune, I'm not a fan of the book. I, I think it's a slog, uh, but I do like, like a lot of the concepts and world in it. Uh, I do actually like the David Lynch one. Okay. Um, not because it's a good adaptation of Dune, but just because I saw it when I was a kid and it was one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen. And I loved it. Um, I will say this, uh, Denis Villeneuve, or however you pronounce his name, uh, has never made a bad movie. I like every single thing he's ever directed. Uh, he, I'd say everything he's directed is either good or great. Um, so if anyone can do Dune properly, it's him. So my faith in this movie comes entirely because of the pedigree of the director and the fact that if he didn't have a, a, a plan for this, I don't think he would have tackled the project. 
Um, I also think the trailer just looked great. Like, trailer looks great. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't trust trailers too much these days. Like, they're they're very they're very calculated. But like, um, the only skepticism I have is just that general sort of Dune doesn't translate very well yeah. thing. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I I feel if anyone working today can make it work, it's Villeneuve. Okay. Uh, next from ETH Demon. Since the two of you weren't as hot on Breath of the Wild as others, what do you think of Immortals Phoenix Rising and Genshin Impact running with a lot of what Breath of the Wild was doing? Um, uh, go ahead first. Mm-hmm. I think Genshin, I mean, Genshin Impact takes a lot of the art, the look and kind of deals with the, kind of the crossover element stuff, but it doesn't, it's not really feel like Breath of the Wild much outside of the climbing uh, with the stamina bar, like it was, it's more of a straight up kind of JR action open world JRPG thing. Yeah. Um, like there's almost as much Skyrim in that game as there is Breath of the Wild. It's just more stealing Breath of the Wild's visual idea, plus adding like anime girls in it. Uh, <laughs> Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Um, I am actually really excited for that game uh, because it look it does look like it's taking a lot from from Breath of the Wild in terms of aesthetic and sort of structure. Uh, but it is also by the Assassin's Creed Odyssey team using the Assassin's Creed Odyssey engine. And it, if you watch like the the footage of it, it is clearly Assassin's Creed Odyssey adapted to this concept. And at the very least, it looks like Breath of the Wild that remembers to be a Zelda game because there's dungeons in it with like yeah. actual dungeon stuff yeah. and puzzle. Like it looks more like what I would have wanted Breath wanted of the Wild. Wanted from Breath to of the be. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm very into that. I've been working I've been watching a lot of footage of that game over the last couple of days because working with mm-hmm. Vincent on a segment that he was working on and <laughs> At first, when I started watching the footage, I didn't like it. It did kind of grow on me over time, though. But mm-hmm. the most striking thing to me is that of the two games, Genshin Impact and Immortals, Immortals is definitely way more like Breath of the Wild. Yeah, um, It really is kind of a carbon copy, but it doesn't have the cool, fun, like physics stuff that Breath of the Wild has. Uh, so there's No, not- I definitely would not expect Immortals to be... It's not a Breath of the Wild clone. It is yeah. a mod of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, that Made takes to, inspiration from yeah. That takes Breath of the inspiration Wild. from Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Uh, okay. One more, um, and this one's from Wampler. I'm sorry, I can't answer more, guys, but we're way over. Um, give us the TV review. And I actually somebody I was chatting with him before, and he's like, "What's up with the TV?" I'm like, "Ask me a Q and A," and he did, so I'm going to answer it. So I did get the LG CX. Um, I still have not peeled the big plastic film off the front of the TV. Uh, oh, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> because I know it's going to be maybe one of the most satisfying things I ever do in my entire life. So You know, you know when you get your cell phone and you peel that plastic off and you can't really explain why, but it feels really satisfying. When I got my when I got my iPhone, um, the the I got it in the Apple Store, and they they like I bought a screen protector, and their whole thing was oh we'll apply the screen protector, and they took it out of the box and they pulled this the no, film no. off, and I was like I oh. <laughs> you took, like, like you I didn't, didn't say anything because I didn't want to be weird, but yeah. I was like oh I wanted to I wanted to do that. Well, the LG CX <laughs> screen, the whole screen yeah. is covered with one of those. So I'm actually I've talked. Oh, about- I, actually, I will say when I got my 4K LG. The, I had like my my low voltage electric company that did all the wiring in the house. They installed and put it on the wall and, did all, and made it, made it all work with the the smartphone stuff. Uh-huh. But they called me over and were like, "You want to tear the thing off?" <laughs> like, yeah, I do. Like, they, they knew. knew. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> so anyway, I still haven't torn it off, but I have used the TV extensively. Um, and I, just bottom line, I love it. It's an amazing TV. But I will say this: I think 1080p looks better on my plasma. 
I'll just say it. Like, native I, resolutions will always look better on the native on the native resolution of a of a panel. That it is just true. looks more natural. There's something about OLED that it almost looks like things have like almost an edge around them. I can't. Mm, it's not that. It's the it's the upscaling of the 1080p image. Ah, that's what it is. That's probably it's, what it's it because is. you're you're upscaling to 4K or 2K you're, or whatever that's probably they're, what they're it using is. the upscaler on. Um, and it looks Did I fine. Turn off the upscaler. Um. I think you can force it if you want. I, okay. I don't do that, but I, but no, like what what you're seeing there is, um, a nat a, a a panel is designed to show something at a certain resolution, and a picture that is in that resolution and being displayed at a panel's native resolution is always going to look better than something that has. Yeah, because there's an algorithm be that's affecting somehow. it. It's yeah. processing it. Yeah, I totally get that. So I will say this: 1080p to me looks a lot better on my plasma. But dude, this TV is so freaking awesome. Like, I just keep throwing stuff at it to just to see how it performs. Mm. Like, I, man, it's a big. It's a. See, you know, and then the HDR really makes a Dude, difference. Ghost when I, when of Tsushima. I, oh, oh yeah. my gosh! When I put oh the when, I, when we installed this TV, because th at the time all that stuff was that. So what I loaded up first was Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn. Oh, that looks amazing too. And I just keep playing games just to see how they look. It's it awesome. It stopped the installation guys in their tracks. Like yeah. they're like, whoa! Like we, yeah. have, like we hadn't seen anything because usually people are like testing like Dark Knight on it or whatever, yeah. and like, and the, I'm like, I want to see what a game looks like because that's what I'm going to be playing on this thing. And they and I loaded up, and the one guy was like. What what a game is it? And like he wrote down like what it was. Like yeah. clearly, I sold a couple copies of Horizon Zero Dawn that day. So yeah, yeah. It, the, it's striking the first it's, time it you is really amazing. see it in your. The four K is a, it's amazing. Going even going on YouTube and watching the compressed four K videos is stunning. Mm -hmm. Like there's no in four K, it will blow your freaking mind. The other thing I like about it is it has four HDMI in, and it's like a switcher. Like I don't really need a receiver anymore. Like I was using it like everything feeding into my receiver, one line out of my receiver into the TV. I don't even need to do that anymore. The problem I've been having, though, is I've not been able to get ARC to work between the TV and my receiver. Even though my receiver mm. says that it supports it, I just can't get it to work. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do about audio. The TV is amazing. You will not regret it. It is still on sale at Costco for that same price and will be for another couple weeks. It's amazing. I'm, I have no buyer's remorse whatsoever. And I think that's probably what people wanted to know. Do I regret mm. buying it at all? I do not. I know this TV is going to be my bro for the next like eight to 10 years. And I'm very, very happy about it. So ultimately, purchase worked out great. Thanks to all you guys who helped me research TVs. Those of you who pushed me towards this TV or maybe to another one. You guys were all amazing. I'm still getting like feedback on Twitter from people or people asking me how I like the TV. You guys are awesome. Thank you for your help. Thanks for uh, following up and asking if I like it. And I do. I freaking love it. I'm only going to love it more. As I have it, and I can really start, you know, putting 4K um, games at 60, 120, whatever. I'm just really excited to have a future-proof TV, basically. It was a big investment, and it hurt. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be eating, as, as Pactor says, macaroni and cheese for the next month. But it's going to pay off because I'll have this TV for the next 10 years, and I'm set. I don't need anything else. If you, uh, if you have access to it or can get it on you know, Amazon or whatever... Uh, try to pick up the Ultra HD version of Wonder Woman. Okay. Movie. I actually already watched a 4K version of it, but it was streaming, so... Yeah, not the streaming. The actual disc, the yeah. Blu-ray Ultra HD version of Wonder Woman is reference quality. It okay. is one of the most impressive pictures you will ever see. On, and look, on, I went and TV. did... I went to ratings or however the hell you pronounce it, and I used their right. calibration settings. I'm not... 
I think I may be able to find better calibration settings. So I'm going to look around. I'm not a thousand percent happy with how it looks, but mm. over time, you're going to you're going to be tweaking that for a little while. Yeah. It's a it's and I'm a totally thing. cool with that. I like that. I enjoy it. So yeah, I mean, you own a plasma. You know what that's about. Yep. Oh, the, and the great one thing I would say too is that like my plasma, the settings on that destroy the settings on this TV. Like you can go like eight layers deep on your plasma to where you're setting up like each like indigo. Like it's just so granular. This is much easier, and I actually prefer it. It was way easier to set up. So anyway, sorry we can't answer any more questions, guys. We're way way over for today's yeah. episode. But I my hope my cat you is it. sitting in the doorway screaming at me for the last fifteen. <laughs> I don't know what's going on because your cat's like, bro, what's going on? You're way over time. Tell Shane to wrap that crap up, and that's exactly what Hi. I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, thanks to everybody who watches the show live on Twitch. You guys are awesome, who give us Twitch Prime and bits and all this awesome stuff during the stream. Thanks to people who are obviously our patrons who are really floating the boat for this show. Thanks to the people who are watching on YouTube. Thanks to people who are listening on any podcast service, and we're on a lot. Um, but this gate, this show does cost money to produce. If you want to see it keep going, head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D without the E. You can give us a dollar a month if you just want to help us out. You can give us a hundred dollars a month if you're wealthy and you're like, I love what you're doing. It's totally up to you. And we appreciate every freaking penny. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Dinfire. If you want to find Matt, he is at M Kyle. That's K-E-I-L. And if you're using Sifted on any of the free services on YouTube or on a podcast service, and you just want to know when things are happening, follow the site on Twitter at Sifted Games. On behalf of Matt, Jared, who's on shower duty running the TriCaster, I'm Shane Satterfield. We'll be back next week. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>